0: We're back in session. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for being here. We are at uh, item six, return to public session. 6.1, announcement of items from closed session. We do have some hires to announce. All of these individuals that I will be naming were approved on a vote of six yeses and one abstention by Trustee Martinson. The first one is Mei Zhong, the Studio Art Digital Art Instructor, with a start date of August 10, 2017. Ida Logan, Psychiatric Technician Instructor, start date August 10, 2017. Catherine Ratliff, Medical Surgical Nursing Instructor, with a start date August 10, 2017. Claudette Shadow Business Studies Instructor Start date August 10th, 2017 And Maybe you could help me with this (laughs) Lauren Wynchowski Wynchewski Psychology Instructor She probably has something to say about that (laughs) Um, Start date August 10th, 2017 Thank you 6.2 Pledge of Allegiance if everyone could rise and uh, will okay. lead the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> Six point three, adoption of the agenda. There are, are there any changes or modifications? Carolee, anything?
1: Um, there is one item that we will be deferring to the agenda, and that is the first reading of Board Policy
2: 3600.
1: I'm looking for the number. It was 12.3.
3: So
0: that item is being moved to our next meeting?
1: Deferred, yes. Is the
4: minutes being deferred to because there were no minutes attached?
1: Sorry, my my apology. As well as the minutes, um, those will also be deferred.
4: I'm wondering about the housing item because there were no documents for the housing item. Is that being postponed as well?
0: With those uh, changes, do we have a... um, any objection to adoption of the agenda with those changes? Seeing none, the agenda is adopted. The unanimous consent with those changes. And now we're at item seven public comment in general. At this time, we'll devote a total of up to 15 minutes for comments to the Board of Trustees regarding any item that's within the jurisdiction of the Board. There won't be any discussion on those items. The public may also request agendas to be placed on a future agenda. And with that, it looks like we have a couple of speaker cards. Uh, Mr. Jeff Shepman.
5: I'll make this very brief. Think of this as you're watching your favorite show, your favorite sporting event, and all of a sudden a commercial comes on and interrupts everything that you're doing. So that's sort of what this is. But it's been a very busy month in terms of the past month in terms of programs that we've done on Napa Broadcasting with respect to the college. And I wanted to just take a real quick opportunity to tell you all about them which included a conversation we had with Bill Hardy and Paul Gospodarzik and Gerardo Martin about the VWT program and about their plans and desires for that. A really great conversation that's up there right now. A conversation with Eric about uh, his history and also about his thoughts and plans here, which is uh, a really fun conversation. And also... A conversation about politics today that I had with John Lascano of the political science department, which he and I both enjoyed very much, and I think anybody that listens to it would would enjoy it as well. And then finally, a conversation that uh, is about a half hour long with the new chancellor of the California Community College System. He was kind enough to give me a half hour of his time, and we had a great conversation about the California Community College System about his goals and desires for, for his tenure there, and uh, it's it's kind of a must listen for I think anybody that is in this room and that cares about these issues and, and a really broad overview of uh, what he thinks the future of the community college system is. So I would urge you to listen to all of these. The conversation with the chancellor I think is is a must listen. And uh, with that, I will uh, return you to your originally scheduled programming. Thank you. Mr. Gary Ortman.
1: I believe Mr. Orton wanted to speak on a specific agenda item.
0: Oh, you're right. Excuse okay. me. We'll see you in a bit. <laughs> Are there any any other people in the audience who would like to speak? Seeing none, we'll close the public comment. And move on to item number eight. This is the uh, recognition item. Have a resolution in honor of Napa Valley College classified professionals, including those who have reached fifteen years of service, and uh, wonderful. Well, this resolution doesn't look that, that long, so I'll go ahead and, and uh, read this resolution by which we honor these uh, these individuals. Yes applies to all of them. This is Napa Valley College Classified Professionals. Whereas Napa Valley College Classified Professionals are an important, valued, and essential part of the educational team whose shared (coughs) goal is to provide access to outstanding college programs and services. And whereas through their professionalism, teamwork, and dedication, classified professionals have raised the reputation in the community and enhance the educational experience of countless students, and whereas by the high standards they set for themselves, they demonstrate a drive for excellence and contribute in a most meaningful way to the effective implementation of the college's mission, and whereas they welcome students, parents, community users, and other guests to the campus with warm, warmth and generosity of spirit and a keen drive to provide excellent service, thereby enhancing the success of events, activities, and interactions throughout, and whereas they are a modest and self-sacrificing group who work behind the scenes to accomplish much through competing deadlines, crowded days, and ever-evolving challenges and mandates, whereas as of June 30, 2017, Karen Smith, computer specialist, Francine Turner, admissions and records technician, My Vaux, financial aid specialist and Mark Craddy lead computer specialist have reached 15 years of regular service at Napa Valley College and they along with their long-serving professionals have provided stability and continuity in the institution by ably training and mentoring new staff at all levels, providing institutional memory and sharing the depth of their knowledge with anyone in need. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Board of Trustees, faculty, and administrative staff sincerely offer thanks and compliments to the classified professionals of Napa Valley College. Thank you. Congratulations to them. and. I understand that Francine Turner is here tonight. Yes, if you could come forward, we have uh, your resolution.
6: And I understand that there's some folks who would like to talk about your great work. Thank you very much for your service and
7: dedication. I just want to say thank you. I appreciate the, the recognition.
6: Are you going to stay up there? Also, I have something, Francine. I'm going to do this before you. Before you. Francine, at 14 years of service, you won a bottle of wine at the uh, event down here. It was college wine that you won, but you said, No, I really like Riesling. We don't make a Riesling. So I bought your Riesling. So. <laughs> so. Oh. Here we go.
8: So I have a few words for Francine in front of the board and the members of the community and the faculty and staff and any students who are here. I am honored to come before you to celebrate the accomplishments of a longtime employee of the college, Francine Turner. Francine started in the Admissions and Records Office back in 2011 in August as a Secretary 2. She worked for numerous managers over the years and in 2005 was reclassified as a Secretary 3. In summer of 2010, I had the honor of joining the Admissions and Records Department as the new Associate Dean. After working with Francine for a couple of years, it was clear that she had very strong technical skills and abilities that could be best utilized as an a Technician. Wanting to give her more of these opportunities, in 2013, she was laterally transferred into the A&R technician position. As an A&R technician, Francine is responsible for processing petitions, special registrations, prerequisite drops, registration holds, and numerous other important A&R functions. Starting this summer, Francine will take on new responsibilities of prerequisite equivalency verifications. She's been learning a new process that we will be implementing for the first time this summer. I'm very proud of the work she is doing on this new project and her continuing to grow in her position. I thank you for the 15. Now I'm looking right at you, Francine, for the 15 years of service, and I look forward to the great work you'll do in the future. Thank you.
0: We have Karen Smith. Thank you on behalf of the board for your dedication
9: Yes, you gotta stay right here, so <laughs> So I have the privilege of working with uh, Karen on a daily basis, and Karen is really the rock of the Institutional Technology Department. She is the go-to person. She just quietly takes care of things without, uh, without calling a lot of attention to herself. But really it is, if it weren't for Karen, we probably wouldn't be able to connect our computers or do any work anywhere on campus she, at uh, least I wouldn't be able to. She's uh, she she really is, in my view, the unsung hero of the IT department, and I really appreciate everything that she does for us. She's been with us for 15 years. She actually, it's coming up on 16 years, isn't it? Uh, very close to 16 years. She supports our office and classroom computers. Uh, provides the images that are installed. Uh, in fact, if you get a new computer. Not very many people do, but hopefully you will soon. Um, You'll be seeing Karen when she comes in to install it and put the uh, image on the computer that allows you to do what you need to do. She just quietly moves about the campus and gets the job done. And the thing that I really appreciate about Karen is that she's always looking to learn new skills and to develop new techniques that will help us support, help institutional technology support the technology needs on campus. So I am very grateful to be a part of your team, and uh, I uh, thank you for 15 years of service to Napa Valley College. Thank you.
0: And there is cake... In the back, um, for all those of you out there in celebration of all these individuals, so help yourself.
1: And a quick vote, um, verbal vote on the resolution.
0: Yes. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. You hear everyone? (laughs) Item 9, Constituent Group Reports. 9.1, Academic Senate Report.
10: No, Amanda. I am not Amanda, as you may have noticed. I am uh, Sherry Loes, and mathematics faculty on the campus. One of you knows that very well, um, Michael, having been a past student.
0: Are you going to tell us his grade?
10: No. I'm, I'm not. Thank you, sir. Um, but I am here because I am. Second Vice President of our Academic Senate and um, reading remarks that Amanda prepared in her absence. Uh, Good evening, Board. I am currently in sunny San Mateo as a delegate at the Spring 2017 Plenary Session of the Academic Senate of California Community Colleges. I look forward to this biannual opportunity to learn from and confer with colleagues on issues as varied as diversity in hiring, The role of community colleges in serving incarcerated students, and an intriguing breakout session entitled Facilitating Civil Dialogue in the Face of Change. This last one might very well come in handy as the Academic Senate is holding a special meeting this coming week to consider ways of changing how we do business. In response to recommendations from the IEPI team, as well as input from the faculty, we are going to debate and discuss our structure with an eye toward building stronger communication and collaborating as a Senate. Stay tuned. Meanwhile, our committees are busy vetting board policies and regulations. We are looking at evaluation processes, hiring processes, the very core of what makes us a vital, engaged faculty. This at a time when the end of term is only a matter of weeks away, with all the attendant tests, papers, and fatigued students. As much as I enjoy attending plenary, I regret not being there this evening as you consider and also take action on items which could have a significant impact on us as a campus, as a faculty. While the Academic Senate recognizes the board's role as stewards of the college's resources, we look forward to ongoing campus-wide communication and collegial consultation regarding, regarding these far-reaching initiatives. Finally, campuses across our state have adopted various resolutions in support of education for all students, regardless of immigration status. That you will also pass such a resolution tonight speaks to this institution's commitment to students. Thank you.
0: Thank you. 9.2, Administrative Confidential Senate Report. Ken Arnold.
11: Good evening, Ken Arnold for the Administrative Senate. <clears throat> the um, I'd like to announce that we have selected our Administrator Confidential uh, Person for 2017. It um, and we announced that earlier today, but it was Rebecca Gonzalez who is the first Confidential Person to win that award. The email that I sent out earlier today to to the college is as follows. It's with great pleasure that I announce that Rebecca Gonzalez has been selected as the Administrator Confidential of the year for 2017. There is no doubt that Rebecca is respected by fellow employees and everyone on campus who has had the pleasure of working with her. Over the years, Rebecca has worked through many different situations and circumstances with many of us. She is a true collaborator and seeks to find solutions that are encouraging, supportive, and positive. She is, has a keen sense of recognizing the needs of others and takes steps to initiate the need whatever needs to be done to resolve the problems. Rebecca is the real deal, incredibly dedicated, honest, and a person of integrity. Not to mention pleasant and polite in every interaction. Um, Rebecca has also has the distinction of being the first confidential employee to be selected as the administrator confidential of the year. So that was our big new and uh, big news. And if you, I don't think. Rebecca's not here. I was just checking. Um, So,
12: if. For missing uh, last few months' reports, I've been really busy with stuff in the office, so I haven't had the time to come in here and do a good report. But, luckily, I wrote out my report this time, so I'm not kind of just winging it this time. So, uh, before I start. I just want to get, well, I want to get you guys up to speed with what we've been doing uh, regarding our events, and before I start, I'd like to point your attention to the posters that uh, Gina Haddad, my vice president, and I have hung up before the meeting. Uh, These are the posters that have been distributed throughout campus, uh, save for the last three, because those are events that we will be having in the future, and we're currently in the process of hanging those up. But the other five on the left-hand side um, are just essentially what we've been broadcasting to students here on campus. So on February 21st, we hosted our annual Black History Month celebration that was well attended. We brought back uh, Karafi Jay, a local activist who founded Hip Hop for Change, which is a nonprofit organization that uses hip hop as a mode of grassroots activism to educate people about socioeconomic injustices in the black community. Attendants got to enjoy freestyle rap from Kafe, and we also invited Keith Wheeler, an, insp- an inspiring speaker who shared with us his story of growing up in Seattle's Southside challenged by the ills of society. Through hard work and perseverance, Keith overcame the negative influences that surrounded him. On March 6th, uh, and that's the third poster over, uh, ASNBC and the Students for Sensible Drug Policy, one of our campus clubs, co-hosted its very first Fireside chat event, uh, which will continue as a series meant to provide a forum for discussion about controversial topics in our communities. Our first fireside chat focused on drug policy as it relates to cannabis, which is a very hot topic as Prop 64 passed in November, and California is gearing up for its legalization and the ensuing economic impact. Our panelists include individuals associated with the cannabis industry, and they just had a discussion about um, the history of why cannabis has been uh, you know, illegal in the United States, and what... What it looks like, what the process looks like going forward, because we're not the only state who's adopted a legalization effort in the last two years. Actually, I think that was in the last election cycle. Never mind that. On a, um, turning your attention to the fourth poster, on April sixth, ASNBC and the Student Health Center partnered up to host our World Health Day fair. We invited a variety of community organizations that focus on individual well-being, which included the District Attorney's Office, the Health and Human Services Agency of Napa County, Molly's Angels, Napa Emergency Women's Services, Olay Health, Planned Parenthood, and Queen of the Valley, among others. Unfortunately, um, the gods are not looking down upon us. Uh, The event got rained out in the library plaza, and we had to move over to the bookstore quad. We We got a little bit less, or we got less people than we anticipated, but it was still a successful event in our eyes. Um, Our fifth poster over, which actually happened today, we hosted our Earth Day celebration while MESO hosted their STEM Fair event in the Library Plaza and the Greens. In my opinion, the event was wonderful. We had our largest turnout ever for the Earth Day celebration, um, with 150 middle, middle ugh, excuse me I'm really tired 150 middle school students coming from I'm actually not sure where they came from was that Redwood Middle School. Redwood Middle School, and we estimated that we had another 150 students and members of the public attending the event. Um, We invited, again, many organizations, including Connolly Ranch, Friends of the Napa River, our very own Garden Club, and Phi Theta Kappa, uh, Napa County Region Park and Open Space District, Napa Farmers Market, Wildlife Rescue Center of Napa Valley, Bay Area Vegetarians, Napa County Resource Conservation District, and the Land Trust of Napa County. Luckily, today the weather was really great and we have the sunburns to prove it. I don't know if you guys want to show but it, but really, it got really hot out there. So uh, And they were helping out all day, so I, I, I luckily don't sunburn. I wonder why. Uh, in, the, in the future, uh, we're going to be hosting our second Fireside Chat on April 25th. Uh, and that's the sixth poster over, if you're interested in looking at it after the meeting or during the meeting. Uh, that'd be kind of weird. Um, and that's going to be in the Little Theater at 5 p.m. on the 25th. Um, I know I said it earlier, but I just wanted to drill it down in your brains. Um, our topic this time around is immigration policy, which is really important, deal, uh, given that we're dealing with an administration, a uh, presidential administration, that has um, said... Really nasty things about immigrants, and um, has taken actions that are also really nasty. So you know, we're hoping to have a good turnout at this event. We've invited Jill Tuckle, our mayor, uh, Jose Sanchez, Alex—God, uh, I can't even read that name—Alex Guerrero, and Ricky Hurtado. So they'll be they'll be um, our panelists this time around, and we're hoping to get a lot of participation from students. I'd love to see you all there as well. Um, and we are working on a couple of other events um, for the years up, which include the Spirit Festival that we're co-hosting with a group of students from a, a speech communications class. That's the last poster on the end. Um, we're also working on an Asian-American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, uh, which will be happening, I believe, on May 11th. May eleventh, And our graduation reception, which we hold um, at the graduation, and as we've done for quite a while now. Um, I'm going to go off the report really quickly and I'm going to say that I'm going to use this as an opportunity to announce uh, that while we have nothing to do with it uh, students are participating in this event and I think it is being hosted by the arts department but that's the emergence festival Uh, that's the second to the last poster and I have a little business card if anybody is interested in coming I'll just read the description on the back The Emergence Festival is a showcase celebrating the collaborative and uh, progressive process of new work by students, faculty, and staff at Napa Valley College. Focused on emerging artists, each performance will feature a variety of writers and performers. That will be hosted in the Performing Arts Center, so hopefully uh, I'll see you guys there on, well actually it's a three-day event. It's on Friday the 21st, Saturday the 22nd, and Sunday. So starting tomorrow, the first two are at 8 p.m., and Sunday is the matinee at 2 p.m. Um, And, you know, we'd love to see you guys there to help support uh, student art here on campus. Back to the paper. Other than events, uh, we've been working on two board policies and their associated administrative regulations, uh, BP 5410 and 5420, which are the associated students' finances and associated students' elections. I'd like to thank Carolee for helping us out with questions because this is the first time I've ever had to draft one, and it's the first one we've had to draft since, I believe, two years ago, uh, which is our 5400. Or We didn't draft that. It, I think it was just an update. So, um, you know, we're getting stuff done uh, as it relates to policy here on campus. And I'm expecting that these policies will be coming to you guys at the next meeting. Um, One of our other successes uh, bloomed from a conversation uh, we had with Bob Parker. And it's led to the installation of multiple new water bottle filling stations across campus. Uh, to my knowledge, I've seen these on the bottom floor of the gym building, and I know there's one right next to our office that we just got, I believe, on Monday. So um, they're, they work really great. Um, I actually don't have my water bottle with me. That's kind of embarrassing. It's somewhere around here. Um, but the water tastes really good, so I'll throw that out there. And hopefully there's going to be more to come. I don't know. If that, that looks like that's the plan. Um, the Associated students would therefore like to thank Bob Matt Christensen, and everybody in facilities and anybody else who helped out with uh, getting those here on campus. Because it 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 demonstrates to us that you guys are committed to you know things that we have to say and you know issues that we bring up. And then it also demonstrates our campus community's commitment to sustainability here at the college. Um, the one next to our office has only been there for about a week, and I actually didn't check the meter right before I came into the meeting, but it says we've saved around ninety. Water bottles worth of waste from, uh, you know, ending up in the trash. So that's always a great thing. Um, Our student projects, which I mentioned, I believe, in the January meeting, are going very well, especially the student ID project. Uh, We're very close to purchasing um, equipment so that we can start rolling everything out um, for that project, including the IDs and um, the scanners that we'll be using uh, to collect data. And hopefully we'll have everything ironed out by the beginning of the fall semester. Did I miss anything? that's no, fine. <laughs> With that, I think I'm done. Thank you.
13: Gabriel, I just want to say uh, your colleague did a fabulous job at the breakfast. She was an awesome, awesome MC. Did a great job.
12: For, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, if you weren't at the high school breakfast, uh, Gina Haddad was our host for uh, this year's high school breakfast. And from what I hear, she did a very good job. I wasn't able to attend because we were doing the World Health Fair. But I know she did great, and I'm sure Oscar thinks that as well. So.
2: And so do I. Huh, you, thank thank you did great.
0: Thank you. Thank you. 9.4 Classified Association Report. Jan Shart not here. 9.5 Classified Senate Report, Twila Huerta, also. Twila
1: had an unexpected conflict um, and sent her apologies.
0: Thank you. 9.6 Faculty Association Report, Christy Wamoto.
14: Hi, I just wanted to say their event was great. There was a real life horse that I got to pet right there in the quad. It was really exciting. <laughs> Um, Hi, everyone. I uh, just wanted to start by saying that we had our part-time appreciation event on March 30th, one that I was telling you about last month. Um, We uh, served dinner, and we had an assessment workshop, which I think went really well, that we were able to pay our part-timers for attending. I wanted to extend my thanks to VPI Shearer for coming and speaking to our part-timers, as well as to Trustee Baker, who came with her son and uh, uh, shared with us that her father was actually a part-time instructor. So it was really nice to have her there. And uh, the part-timers expressed appreciation of, of your attendance, both of you. And so, thanks very much for that. Um, as for our part-timers, uh, we've been working to uh, to change our unit member recognition so that we our contract actually covers more of our part-timers. And uh, we are also currently Amanda Badgett and I are working on our part-time seniority list, which we are starting for uh, for part-time rehire rights. Um, Negotiations are going; they're rolling right along, and um, and forgive me, I I actually have to leave in about twenty minutes. I will be heading to Manhattan Beach for our our spring union conference, the CCACTA union conference down in LA, where we will be recognizing our negotiator, Lisa Yanover. She is getting a local award for her uh, her time and her energy and all of the uh, the great skill that she has shown for our faculty association.
6: Thank you.
0: Ten, Superintendent-President report.
6: Thank you. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't see anything come through on foundation. Is there something um, tonight, Carolee? Okay. Thank you. And um, I think we'll go to Cabinet um, reports and start with um, Oscar, since you've got... One hour, thank please. you, thank you
15: much. Uh, you'll find the that that the report uh, was was posted um, on the agenda. And again, this is sort of a, a list, a short list of sorts of the activities that have been going on uh, with the student affairs. And in particular, uh, last last night we had we, we, we hosted two um, uh, two parent groups of of, of Latino parents from uh, one from Napa High School and one from Vintage High School. And we've done this for the last four years or so. What we do is that is that we. As we provide them with, with a welcome, but also we have a panel of students as well as, as, as alumni from the college uh, who are now who are professionals and, and, and are working their field. Uh, and then we offer them a tour of the campus. Um, and so the idea here is to offer the, uh, the parents a better idea, as to what the college is, so they can feel it, so they can sense it, so they can participate in it, and uh, we also have one of our guest speakers, uh, which 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 a trustee as Rosalvo Saouda was there also to offer welcome as well, um, and so that that event went very well. And this uh, this afternoon we had 300 children, kids from um, uh, from 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 middle school, middle school, but also from Valley Oak. I hope your um, students like the the event, and we had another 50 kids for the town search program. So again, these are these are activities that that uh, that student affairs has has engaged in, and um, if you have any questions on any of, of these, uh, you know, please ask, and and otherwise, that's our report. Thank you, Oscar. Eric, you have some? Good evening,
16: Board of Trustees. So I've got a few things here for you tonight. First off, um, one of the major activities that instruction has been engaged in in the past month has been hiring. Uh, Lots and lots and lots of hiring committees going on, as you saw um, with the uh, documents that you were presented earlier this evening. So thank you for your action on the five new uh, full-time tenure-track faculty members. Uh, We anticipate having uh, at least one more for the May meeting and perhaps some for the June meeting as well. So we're on track with all of those hiring processes right now, and um, very excited about where we're going. And I'm really excited about the group of new faculty that are shaping up out of this process, and I'm really looking forward to working with them next year in our new faculty learning community. So uh, another thing that I've got on here, too, for you, just a little bit about where we're at with enrollment right now for the spring semester. So a few things for you on that front. We are um, about 4% down, or pardon me, about 3% down um, altogether on enrollments for spring as compared to last spring. Um, however, the headcount is up a little bit. So what that means is that we have slightly more students that are taking slightly fewer courses. And again, it's very marginal. Um, the, these, these are very small amounts that we're looking at with the change to enrollment. Um, I think that the general picture that we're looking at is one that's fairly stable, um, and has been for the last couple of years. Uh, we're monitoring this as we go on through the year and are using these numbers as we're projecting forward for next year and building our schedule of classes uh, for the for the coming year, which is the other thing that we are actively engaged in in instruction right now. Our summer schedule, I do believe, has gone live, and our fall schedule will be going live in a few weeks here. So actively engaged in that at the moment. Um, another thing that we have been working on in instruction has to do with the Performing Arts Center. Um, uh, many of you may have seen the Performing Arts Center before as you've driven in here to campus. Um, we're actively engaged right now, and Dr. Kraft and I have been working with the Arts and Humanities Division, um, with our dean and with our faculty in the Performing Arts area in particular, in really helping to shape a longer-term vision for the Performing Arts Center and how it interfaces with the community. So to that end, we have two new uh, partnerships that we're going to be working with this next year out of the Performing Arts Center, um, including the uh, the, uh, Festival Napa Valley. So we are going to be uh, utilizing the Performing Arts Center as one of the uh, hosts for the the Festival Napa Valley this coming year and also during the summer. So we're really excited about that partnership that we're entering into them. Um, Additionally, the theater program has entered into a partnership with a local theater organization called Cafeteria Kids. And uh, this is a really good youth theater program. Um, And so they are going to be coming in and bringing students who will be enrolling, um, high school students who will be enrolling in our theater courses in a dual enrollment um, and doing Shrek the Musical this coming fall. So we're really excited about about the partnerships that are developing out of that. And we hope at a future meeting to have an even more extensive presentation for you about what we're doing and the longer-term vision for the Performing Arts Center and how it functions as both a civic space and an artistic space for the community Uh, lastly i did want to announce that today we did present the mcpherson distinguished teaching award Uh, thank you to trustee baker for serving on that committee Um, and this morning we were really really happy to walk into the classroom of randy villa who is a math instructor here at napa valley college Um, how many of how many people here have taken a class with randy Yeah. Okay. So many many people, and and when we went into his classroom this morning to embarrass him in front of all of his students with balloons and announcements and all of that, um, it 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 was a real honor for me to 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 bring that to uh, to bring that to him. He's been here at Napa Valley College for a very long time and has just been um, a a stalwart member of the faculty for all of those years and has taught generations of students here in Napa um, how you gamble appropriately through the use of statistics. Those of you who've taken as class may remember these uh, these conversations. So, um, I do believe that each of you has an invitation to the award ceremony itself, uh, which is on May twelfth. Um, and so, please let me know if you have any questions about that. But again, thank, thank you to the board for participating in the selection process for that. And that concludes my report for tonight. Thank you, Bob. Great. So, <clears throat> excuse me, just very
9: quickly. Um, We are preparing in the Business and Finance Office for our preliminary audit visit next week. So this is when the auditors come out and do some preliminary confirmation of uh, what's been happening and our internal controls and things of that nature. So they'll be here next week for that. And, of course, our goal with the audit this year is to accelerate the audit process so that the audit will be done uh, earlier and so that all of the audits will be presented together. Um, we have had some staffing changes in the business, of a few staffing changes in the business and finance office. Uh, uh, Glen Aguada, our controller, officially retired as of March 31st, and so we will be recruiting for that position. We also have our uh, director of payroll, Patty McCart, is retiring at the end of this month. And so de Basco, our chief accountant, is uh, furiously working with Patty, to uh, learn everything that Patty knows so that she'll be able to backfill for uh, payroll starting on uh, May 1st. So a little bit of musical chairs in the business finance office, but uh, things are going well. Uh, And then finally, we're getting ready to prepare the third quarter financial information that we'll be bringing to the board uh, at the next board meeting. But we had our first meeting with the individuals from Synoptics, the software company that we will be implementing won't have it implemented for the March 31st financials, but should have it implemented in time for the June 30th, which will significantly improve our ability to prepare those statements, make it a lot easier for us to reconfigure those statements to provide you with useful, more useful information, and also allow us to do those statements on a monthly basis rather than on a quarterly basis. We also know that once we're up and running, it will allow us to provide more meaningful financial information to our budget center managers and so we're all we're pretty excited about the ability to do that and thank you for approving the purchase of synoptics it's really going to change the way we do business in the business and finance office thank you thank you any questions for the
6: cabinet right yet
13: okay
0: yeah
13: sure so i would love to see that presentation on what's happening with the pack I think that would be great because I think we still, I don't know if it's just me, but I still hear in the community what is, what's going on in that building. It just sits there, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> it never seems like it's just sitting there to me, but it would be great if we had that concrete information uh, to be able to talk to people about.
6: We're I'm just I'll, Eric and I are working on it with several other people and, and developed a, a, a one pager, kind of a spiffy graphic with some other pieces on there, and we'll we'll bring that in for you very soon. It kind of lays out the you said it quite well, civic and institutional uses, and it, that's actually the goal. So,
4: I have a question about the audit. Um, are we going to get clarification either from them or our attorney about whether or not we need to include an accounting of college employee time that's spent on foundation activities, and or did we already get that?
9: So that is one of the things that we'll be discussing with them next week. Okay, thank
6: you. Um, Charles is not here tonight, as as uh, many of you know. She's out, out ill, gives her um, regrets, and um, but she has no report that she forwarded to me to to read. President's report. I'm I'm going to um, forego that tonight. And because uh, we're working on several information pieces and, and um, action items, public information office report is there. Clipping service is up. Another um, stellar month um, for the college in, in, to be in front of uh, in front of folks. And um, Evan Wilks, you have to help me, Eric. I think this date you might have right. Um, I'm not sure. We're doing a performance, a benefit performance for Evan Wilks, and it may be here actually. Um, to celebrate her retirement, and I believe it's in my book. Is it my, my note? It's out there. I'll get you by the end of the meeting. Uh, May 13th at 8 p.m., 8 o'clock. No admission, and um, they're, they're doing a, some presentations and choral. It would be great for the board to, to be there if you can manage to be there May 13th, 8 o'clock. Okay, thank you for that. Um, there's plenty of other uh, pieces in here to take a look at. I, I also had a chance to listen, Jeff, to the chancellor um, he's a very innovative and visionary guy. Um, our new chancellor, and and it, it, it's interesting because he comes with a um, a similar st- structure, a a, um, a, a a one college, you know, board situation that's really connected to the community from Long Beach. So he has a lot of affinity for our kind of um, thinking that we're doing here. I would um, strongly encourage you to listen. to That it's a great, it's a great, great listen. Thank you for interviewing him, by the way. Um, let's then, I think, with that, we can just move along to 12.0. Um, I, th- I think you pulled 11. Did you not?
0: Yeah. Okay. So we're down to number 12, informational discussion items. 12.1, the student success scorecard. Dr. Warno.
6: And of note, Robin, this is the first time that you've actually spoken before nine forty. No, the the sun, even with daylight, it's it's like it's
17: like a sunny afternoon. Still, it's amazing. I don't
6: know what's going on. We should postpone this.
8: (laughs) (laughs) So good afternoon. Want want us to to move you to the end? No, no, thank you. I'm good.
3: (laughs)
17: Uh, so let's see. Um, at the end of March, the California Community College's Chancellor's Office released the 2017 Student Success Scorecard and each college's scorecard data is posted on the Chancellor's office website and results for individual colleges or the system as a whole can be selected via a drop down menu on the website. Uh, Results are tracked among students that were prepared for college when they entered, among those that were not prepared for college when they entered, and then also by demographic group as defined by gender, age, and race, ethnicity. The scorecard is required by the state legislature, and the legislature and the chancellor's office worked together a number of years ago to develop this scorecard to ensure public accountability. Uh, the guidelines for the Student Success Scorecard require local governing boards, such as yourselves, to interact with the scorecard data each year. And I will need to submit the minutes from tonight's meeting to the Chancellor's Office to document that the discussion among the board has taken place. Uh, the report that is attached to this agenda item is an internal report produced by the Rippi Office, that's Research Planning and Institutional Effectiveness, And the internal report is part of the college's system for regularly monitoring and evaluating our performance. And my overview uh, tonight will focus on that report. Uh, Three types of indicators are reported in the Student Success Scorecard. Those are uh, completion measures, momentum points, and remedial progress or basic skills measures. Um, And the slide here lists the nine scorecard indicators that are highlighted in the local MVC report uh, by category. I want to call your attention to one thing, and that's within the remedial progress or basic skills category. The two transfer-level metrics at the bottom of the slide are new. They were introduced with the 2017 scorecard. So if you haven't seen them before... That is why. Um, They track first-time students who complete six units and attempt an English or math course in their first year. And they're tracked for successful course completion of a transfer-level course in the same discipline in their first or second year. Uh, MVC's internal report includes a narrative summary of MVC's recent performance on the scorecard metrics including a comparison of MVC's performance to that of the California Community College System over the most recent 5 cohorts. Uh, The report uses box and whisker plots to summarize performance among California community colleges over the last five years. And this slide uh, highlights the primary features of box and whisker plots, and so I'm going to take a little bit of time just to refresh your memories about box and whisker plots. Um, So the so-called whiskers, which are the long... um, Lines, I guess, or stems that go from um, the, those uh, represent the range of the data and they span the lowest or minimum observation to the highest or maximum observation among each cohort. Um, the box then identif- the box that's in the middle. Then identifies the middle fifty percent of cases, which span the twenty fifth percentile through the seventy fifth percentile. And the middle fifty percent of cases represents really what typical performance is um, across the California Community College System. Uh, then the line within the box represents the median performance level. And uh, on our internal report, the red star uh, represents NVC's performance level for each year. And so uh, box and whisker plots are very effective for conveying a lot of data in one uh, place. And uh, the plots that are included um, on each page of the internal NVC report uh, summarize approximately 550 observations across the California Community College system in a very small amount of space. Uh, So on this slide, I have included some bragging points for you, so little summary here. Um, First, MVC might be considered unique among the California community colleges in that we tend to perform well on all of the scorecard indicators. So just uh, um, as the scorecard's uh, predecessor, the ARCC or accountability reporting for community colleges, um, the the typical uh, pattern is that some um, colleges perform above the median on some indicators and then below on others. We tend to perform pretty consistently above the median, um, and that's unique. So that's one thing to brag out. Um, So among the last cohort included in the 2017 scorecard, MVC exceeded the 75th percentile on four of the indicators. And the change in the transfer level rates between year one and year two for the English and math uh, transfer level rates, those new indicators, also exceeded the 75th percentiles. MVC also exceeded the median performance level on the remaining three scorecard indicators. And finally, over the past five cohorts, MVC has improved performance on seven of the nine indicators. Uh, so that's comparing year one and year five uh, of the cohort years included. Uh, we increased an average of 5.6% across those seven indicators. Finally, this is part that, in my opinion, is where it gets really exciting. And it's new for this year. Uh, so finally, I want to highlight a unique pattern that emerged among MVC's Student Progress and Achievement Rate, or SPAR, uh, data in the 2017 uh, scorecard. And it's so exciting that Sherry Lose is here as a representative from the math department because I'm just, this is a unique phenomenon. Okay, uh, so what I've pre- so hold on to your seats. Um, so what i presented here is an excerpt that's taken from the table on page two of the internal report. And this table reports the overall SPAR rate uh, as well as the rate among two subsets of students, those that entered at the college level, so are deemed prepared, and those that were below college level or unprepared when they entered. So what I'm going to do is focus on the first cohort that started in 2006-2007, so the first column of data uh, in that table, and then uh, the last cohort that entered in 2010-2011 in the final column. So for the overall rate, you'll see that the spar decreased between these two observations. So from uh, the uh, 54.8% in 0607 to 52.2%. So that was the decrease over that five-year period. Um, however, if you look at the performance of the two subsets performance actually increased between the two cohort years. So for prepared, um, the rate among prepared students increased by more than 5% from 71.1 to 76.8. And the rate among unprepared students increased by 1% from uh, 45.8 to 46.8. So this is an example of a unique statistical occurrence. It's called Simpson's Paradox. Paradox. Uh, In which opposite patterns emerge among data at aggregate and disaggregated levels. Uh, So that is trends that appear um, um, among different different groups or subsets disappear or are reversed when the groups are combined. And so in this case, there was an increase in the performance of the two subpopulations, but when the two subpopulations are combined, the overall performance level decreased. Um, So it was a bit of a red letter day for Rippy when I noticed this pattern a couple of weeks ago. And um, this is the first time that an example of Simpsons Paradox has emerged in MVC data. And I did share the example with the Chancellor's Office staff and the listserv uh, for both the RP group and the scorecard. And now others are keeping an eye out for additional examples across the system. It's very exciting in the research world. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> wow, we might be in the presence of. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. there's a (laughs) paradox. Okay, Okay, so there's the Simpsons paradox piece. Um, So, with that, I am happy to answer any questions that you have about the 2017 scorecard and ensure that the board has
4: sufficient opportunity to interact with the data. I'll oh, ask a question. Um, I was wondering, what is the difference between statewide and average among all community, California community colleges? Yeah, so the, the
17: statewide, if, if you go to the chancellor's uh, office website and um, select, I don't even know what it says, system-wide or statewide or just the whole what it is, it's, it's um, taking all students across the whole system together as one observation. The average takes the roughly 113 observations, for one for each campus, and looks at the average among those.
6: statistical nuance. When Robin stopped me today and said, there's something very exciting you need to talk about. Now, part of part of marketing is quantitative analysis, so we do a lot of stats, so I actually caught part of the excitement, <laughs> but but the phone lines lit up all across researcher in California today. Yeah, who knew? It, it's a little bit, yeah, who knew?
17: Well, and I, and I will say the well, I was first introduced to Simpsons Paradox in graduate school, and the... I think the quintessential and possibly even the only example that um, was shared was uh, a famous case from the 1970s at UC Berkeley involving graduate admissions. Yeah, see, Sherry, sure too. Yeah, there's one. And now Napa Valley College. Um, so, uh, yeah, so what it was was that they found that uh, well, and there was a call for discrimination and lawsuits and everything because um, the rate of acceptance among women was much lower than it was among men. And so they looked, but then what we know about graduate school admissions is that it's done at the department level, not at the university or the institutional level. So what they found was a pattern of behavior that women tended to apply to the more difficult or selective uh, departments for graduate school, at, at least to at a higher rate than men, and then for the middle tier, it was roughly uh, equal. And then at the bottom, for the um, less difficult programs, should we say, um, they applied at a lower rate. So it was that actually the reverse patterns when they disaggregated the data, at least for some of them, because women were applying um, to engineering or whatnot uh, <laughs> at a higher rate than expected. So there you go.
4: I don't know if this is for you. That might be. I think it's more the instructional side. But i was just wondering. The only area that, well, two areas that we were below the state average was ESL and basic English. So I was wondering, when that happens, does that kind of trigger like this is an area we want, we want to set some goals around and? So on um, one on thing, and
17: uh, Carly can we call up
4: the attachment somehow?
17: Sorry. Um, so one thing that has been. St- striking about the scorecard data, thank you, uh, for the past several years is, so if you look at just the, oh, let me, sorry, go up a little bit, page up. Okay, so uh, performance across the system, so you can see the range here for um, the 30 units or more is roughly 50 to 80%. Um, if you go down to the English, uh, the it's a little wider range. Um, but And then you get to ESL, and the range... <laughs> Of observations is from zero. So that means zero. Uh, no students in, on some community college campuses, students that start at least two levels below college level and ESL, none of them gets through college level ESL or uh, English within six years. So that's the only measure where you have all of the um, plots shift down to that lower level. Um, part of what's going on here is that um, there's a lot of variation within the system across campuses um, in terms of how many levels of ESL um, are defined below college level. So some might have as many as eight, and then it takes students, obviously, a long time to get through those um, eight levels in six years. Um, my personal thought about this um, ESL rate, which I don't think is unique, um, is that, um, you know, there's an assumption underlying some of these measures that all students want to transfer or get a degree. And students that are here, you know, taking ESL classes, that may or may not apply. It could be that they want one class to get a better job or be able to communicate better in the job that they have, um, or they want to be able to help their their um, kids do their homework when you know if they're in the local school system. So, um, you know, the expectation that students enrolled in ESL necessarily want to make it to college level English or ESL is. Uh, maybe something to dig a little deeper in, um, but I, I think that there's possibly uh, you know data reporting issues going on here as well. So we tend um, this is something that the planning committee's discussed every year because um, as you can see we've been below the median uh, on three of the five observations, but um, but it's problematic. So. And the other one you said uh, was the transfer level English. So yeah, that's so that's um, for that one since it is a new measure. Um, we're, we're just starting to track it and what, um, what I highlighted in the local report the um, box and whisker plot actually tracks the improvement from year one to year two so there's a little good news bad news here And that yes we perform below the statewide um, levels on these two indicators but we're among the top it's possible in the second to last cohort that we might have been the um, top observation in terms of the improvement from year one to year two. And I, I suspect that these numbers will change dramatically um, in the coming years because of uh, implementation of SSSP and other programs like that.
4: This, this is more for maybe for Dr. Kraft. I kind of talked about it earlier, the, the consortium. Cause I know the point is to eliminate duplication, and I know adult ed also offers, like, ESL, and so I'm kind of wondering, like, if we can maybe get an update on what's maybe going towards them and what's coming to us, like particularly with, like, ESL and basic skills and those kinds of courses. And, sure. Uh, I don't know if we could get an update the, on Yeah, the happening.
6: AEBG, the, the adult ed block grant, has a, a board, and um, we, you know, actually the cabinet you know, are board members, um, and we can bring uh, and post that. It's easily, just it's easy to see, and we can post that so you could, all, all the board members could take a look for sure.
4: Thank you.
17: Any other questions? Or are we good?
6: Thank, okay. you Thank,
3: Thank you, Robin. Thank
6: you, and enjoy your evening, right?
0: <laughs> okay. Twelve point two general obligation bond information item, Dr.
6: Kraft. Yeah, thank you. Um, we have um, been talking about um, the bond here at the college for for quite a few years, and um, in fourteen, as you know, we we had a general obligation bond measure um, which didn't pass, and then we did an after action report and some follow ups, and since since actually fourteen, we've been kind of tracking this and. Um, the, tonight's um, information item is another opportunity for the board to take a look at um, the general obligation bond process, take a look at what it um, brings to the institution. and um, we're going to kind of triple team it with Matt and um, Bob and myself, just doing a, a short presentation and then kind of open for questions and and um, moving through if you're okay. Thank you. So I think Matt's going to start. Good evening, everyone.
5: Pull
6: that up. Thank you. Matt, I have to compliment you on the design of this. It's it's just really amazing.
18: It's pretty flashy. Um, I I know, it's pretty flashy. (laughs) We're real careful with our resources, so we don't (laughs) want to go overboard right away. (laughs) So... uh, uh, at last month's board meeting, uh, you approved the facilities master plan that highlighted the facilities needs for the district. I'd like to touch on a few of the things that we talked about last time uh, and summarize some of the next steps that the staff will be working on in the coming months. Uh, as a reminder, this map indicates this is part of the facilities master plan. It indicates the areas of identified of new construction as well as areas for remodeling and modernization. And you can see that goes across for a large section of the campus. Uh, The uh, FMP addresses health and safety issues and infrastructure improvements, uh, but the primary focus is really on improving instructional spaces. Although there will be a small net gain in the number of classrooms and labs, we plan to increase the quality and functionality of the existing space. So increasing the square footage in the individual classrooms can have a significant improvement and impact on instruction in that space, in particular in the older classrooms uh, in the buildings that were built in the 1960s. Uh, We'll be uh, quantifying the projects and the components in those the spaces, both in the classrooms and in the uh, student affairs and services spaces. Uh, staff will need to determine the appropriate size and configuration for new and modernized classrooms and service spaces. Uh, just yesterday, the facilities committee had a meeting uh, with quite a robust conversation about how those spaces get developed and who are the appropriate people to have input in that as also as well as the sequencing and the other components that come along. I've additionally met with uh, Eric uh, to talk about this, to shape it uh, with input from instruction council and faculty as well. Uh, Once we get to that place, ultimately we want to be to the place where Room capacities and class, rather, class capacities are determined programmatically and not determined by the size of the classroom that's available at that time. So, we want to have uh, efficient, good fit for our instructional programs. Uh, this will allow us, once we get through that process, to do a better job of estimating the cost for these individual projects. And project sequencing uh, then can be developed to identify project priority. Prioritization, the required sequencing needed, and identify any standalone projects that might be able to be done individually or uh, out of sequence depending on uh, how they fit when funding might become available. Turn this over to Bob. Should have given you more warning so you could (laughs) have.
9: So, as Matt said, one of our next steps is uh, to look at what the what would be required to execute the facilities master plan in terms of sequencing square footage, total square footage, and cost per square foot or the total cost of uh, of executing that plan. With the cost, then comes the question how could we fund the construction of these buildings that are included and the upgrades and improvements that are included in the facilities master plan. And so we look at a combination of potentially four sources of uh, funding for that construction or for those uh, uh, new facilities. One would be utilization of braided funding, so funding coming in potentially from the District Auxiliary Services Foundation, as well as private donations. And you saw at the last meeting a presentation on the capital campaign that the Napa Valley College Foundation is uh, embarking on to raise funds for the VWT building. We would also potentially qualify for some state bond funding we have at least one project on the facilities master plan which is the uh, machine technology building that could qualify for state funding state funding would require a match, but we did close on uh, the sale of the Menlo property in the first quarter of this year. And so we have, we generated almost a million dollars from that sale. So we have funds sitting in our capital projects fund that could potentially be utilized to match those state funds for a construction project. We also could utilize general fund dollars when they are available, and we've talked about the fact, and you will see as we look at the budget uh, for, for uh seventeen eighteen in an upcoming meeting, that we are putting dollars into the budget to do scheduled maintenance on our buildings, and so that would cover some of the things that are included in the facilities master plan. The final source of funding which would allow us to do all of the things that are in the facilities master plan would be the issuance of general obligation bonds. So getting voter approval to move forward with uh, issuing bonds that would then fund the remaining projects or uh, the bulk of the projects that are included in the facilities master plan. So, those four sources of potential funding, so next is uh, well, we could do that. Um, okay. I, th- I think maybe we back up one and just because
6: this really gets to the, the GO bond, but are, are there questions from the board so far in terms of the, how the EMP translates to the facilities' master plan and the needs, and then the, you know sources of sources of, of funding? I and had
0: a, a question about um, the state bond matching Mm -hmm. you said that well we have almost a a million dollars and would we say that none of these projects that we have are say two million say everything's over three million four million dollars can we apply that and get matching to put towards a project that's more than that
9: well, so the first of all, the, the ability to qualify for state bond funding uh, is contingent upon what you're building, the age of the building that you're replacing or improving, and the amount of square footage that you have on campus. So currently, we did have one project that qualified for state bond funding, and that was renovating the 1800 building or the lab sciences building. The problem with renovating that building is that we lose lab space, and what we need to do is increase lab space. So we decided that that was not a good candidate for us. The machine tool building, and help me out here, Matt, because of the age of the building, it would potentially qualify for state bond funding. Now, state bond funding, I have to say, is a pretty big if, uh, only because we hear from the uh, the uh, chancellor's office that $4 billion in funds could potentially be issued to uh, uh, fund California Community College projects, but the need is estimated to be about $42 billion. And so there isn't enough money to cover all of the projects, but we probably be more likely to get a smaller project funded than a larger project funded overall. But the reality is that is one of the few projects that we have that would conceivably qualify for state bond funding.
0: So, but we don't have to match. We could use that money for some other project.
9: Yes, we could. We could. That's just saying that is a, if we did... Get that uh, approval from uh, state uh, for state bond funding, then that match would then allow us to complete that project absent any other source of funding. Thank you. I'm
19: glad that he asked that question because that was my first one. My second one is um, what signifies a state funded match? Like, what are some of the requirements that it
9: has to be for it to be? qualified to be matched by state funds it's just any local funding source and so for example other college districts have used general obligation bond dollars as their state match so we just happen to have uh the funds in our capital projects fund that resulted from the sale of the menlo property but it wouldn't have to be utilized for that it's just one potential source of matching funds
6: Let me just jump in a little bit. I think it as, as well, and feel free to, you know, during this Q&A piece to talk to any, any one of us. Matt's dying to talk, I can tell. Um, the, uh, the, the shift here up and down the state is really to this. I think people are, it, it, it was literally 20 years ago, general fund or um, a bond obligation. I mean, there really was not in the community college a, a, a developed, except, except for our friends at Santa Rosa, which that have the oldest, um, one of the oldest foundations. There really wasn't a developed ph- philanthropic philanthropic kind of understanding, and, and that's emerged, and it's emerged here as well. So we have more interest um, locally than, than um, I think we've had in, in many years. The other piece that, that was really not addressed throughout the state at the community college level is braided funding. The university level's, Really used them, and and remarkably, the K 12s used them as well. They were they were more adept at, at uh, you know getting grants and building p- projects and working with their communities. Um, this is an area that's really improved over the past few years. Um, Napa Valley College is is uh, right in the vanguard of this with our district auxiliary services. So when when you established um, some of your external facing subcommittees, the one with the the um, land asset and, and usage, that, that starts to help to field um, inquiries to leverage on on private donations or partnerships, um, et cetera. So it's, it's a good combination of things. What, how does that translate? I won't say it too forcefully, but it translates that, at least I think for us, that if you decide in, in, uh, in the near future to go out for a general obligation bond, It should be one that's measured and prudent and covers what we believe it needs to cover and not provide extra. This isn't a dip into the public trough, but much more a stewardship campaign to be very prudent, to help us grow the institution, um, I think, in a way we do our part, the community does its part, philanthropic effort does that part. So that's really kind of the, the notion of this blended funding source and trying to get there. So um if we were this is kind of if thens and it's it may be a uh, you can probably see it on your screens too we we kind of worked on this from a preliminary tasks and this is all very preliminary you know so there's no well, there's no rush to the roar here but if if you decide to move forward to the benchmark that we put out there in 14 which was a June 2018 election cycle so it, it it's aiming at Preparing the things that we would need to do as an institution to bring to the election day in June 18 an argument um, on on the bond measure. So these are the things that we will be doing. It's got preliminary tasks there for you, responsibilities, and then the kind of a June election cycle. And you can see um, the the next thing that we would really be asking you to do is next month in May is. Approve exploring feasibility of the bond, which basically is letting a small contract for this um, conducting survey in, uh, to test the um, public taste really for um, tax. There's three three areas they really look at. They look at how taxed they are, what what their feeling about it is, what they feel about the college and its mission, and what things really they want. The college and you to support through a general obligation bond. You know, so we're here to fulfill the mission of the community. So um, it, it takes us through this process. So quantify the the FMP, which Matt talked about, and the potential, and build a potential bond list. You've got to have something to start with. It happens over the next um, few months, May to August. Conduct a survey, probably in August if we went forward. Um, initiate public information program. This is really about. Not convincing, this is gathering data from the, the community. You'll remember maybe, I sure do, when Napa Unified started their initiate the public information. They changed their focus and, and redirected, because they had, they had things that they wanted to do that their community did not want them to do. And so they pulled those things away and added other things, and that's what this is for. There's a board meeting that would happen probably in August or September to review those survey results. If they came in with no support, then we're really done right at that point in time. It's not time to go out for a bond, and, and it, that, it's that clear. Um, if it comes in and it looks r- reasonable or better than reasonable or there's strong support, then we continue on this list. Um, formation of an external friends of NBC. Um, Group, We don't do that, but that's an external piece, probably through one of the foundations. Finalize the capital and financing plan. So you start to number crunch, say what's it really look like. Preliminary prep of a resolution would be the council and um, bond council in November of um, 17, December. Board meeting, board action to adopt the resolution, probably as early as next November if you were going to move forward. Um, probably as late as January. It, it, we, yeah, I agree. That you, the later you go in adopting a resolution, the less time you have to really tell your story to the general population. So the earlier these are these are these targets I have on here are pushing it to the edge of where I think you should go. Right? I'm giving you a massive amount of time. You should talk about it. Um, the board meeting, adopt the resolution, run the campaign. The earliest would be probably November uh, on this section right here. Deadline to submit the resolution to John Tudor over in March, and then submit the argument in favor, which I'm assuming we would do in March, and then the election day would be June. So there's conversation, obviously, here in terms of timing, but also um, need. Is this the best way to go? You know, those those general conversations. So. I think what we want to do is just kind of field some conversation and questions. So you know what Anne I'm going to yeah, say, right? <laughs> <laughs>
13: so I just I think that, and um, I'd love to, you know, I'd love for us to be a little bit more assertive on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that November for a resolution is too late. I would prefer to see it closer to. October, earlier fall, um, unless we already, as a board, have a pretty good. We're we're already um, working together, collaborating with other groups, and we're really moving the conversation forward, almost like a campaign. Um, but I think that we need. I just think we need more time to officially say, "Go!" It's a campaign. So that—that's my only thing. Everything, I mean, all the steps to me right. look totally appropriate. Um, but I just I worry about that that time period when the public knows we're going for it.
6: Right, and I, I just I tend to think in terms of um, on this issue headlines so the next at some point after some meeting the register would run you know Napa Valley College endorses run for bond or something like that so the earlier in that in the cycle the election cycle that that happened um, the, the more the more time you have to make your case if you will um, I, I think it really hinges on the survey results and and testing voter tolerance their view of the college what we'd want to do and um, so I, I don't see it happening prior to October, November, but it certainly could happen. That's certainly a good point. These are by by no means in stone here at all. These are just, in fact, I pushed them as far as I could push them for our conversation. Yeah.
0: Jennifer.
20: Um, I Also, having to do with timing, one of the things I heard about the previous attempt was that, um, I'm, I don't remember if it was, classified staff, or if it was faculty, it may have been both, I'm not certain. But some, some constituent group mm-hmm. did not feel that they had adequate opportunity to weigh in on it, and, beca- yeah. and part of that was because of the timing and it being summer, mm-hmm. and just, we're to make certain that we don't end up in that same situation again.
6: Exactly. Yes. So. Yes, we are. And, and the difference here bet- bet- between the 14 bond measure and this bond measure is we've been talking about this now for two, almost, a year and a half at least. Right since '14, and so all all of the constituency groups on campus have had presentations. Um, the faculty, the faculty senate, the classified senate, the administrative senate, um, and the ASNBC. And um, generally speaking, uh, you would if you walked around and you asked folks at any of those levels on campus, have you heard about? Is there a bond in the wind? The answer is yes, and th- they're aware of it. So, if we had done that in fourteen, it was like what bond, you know? So we we really pushed the the envelope, and caught some people by surprise. So they really, they really couldn't take a stand. It was just too short, and that hurt us um, it, with the public's perception of, you know, is the is the is the college constituencies behind the bond? Well, they just didn't have enough time to really analyze it. They were about the needs, but they weren't necessarily about the bond. So. In answer to your question, early, make sure people know. They, they must be on board.
19: I, I had a question on, is it possible, I don't know if it would be through, like doing a partnership with the city to do Kennedy Park, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there, has that been done before where community colleges have worked with their local city council to do a I mean, other it, than just joint partnership, it, it has.
6: And Bob or Matt might be able to talk about both of those things. But I can tell you that it, it is possible. It becomes a crafting of that, the legal, the legal connection of that. We've had just generic conversations with the city, who are um, who are interested. You know, they don't know how we quite work either. But I don't know, Bob, if you want to talk about San
9: Diego, maybe a little. Sure. So uh, at Miramar College in San Diego, there were a couple of joint-use facilities that were constructed. It was the Hourglass Park, which were, was a series of sports fields, and then the Hourglass Fieldhouse, which was a gymnasium fieldhouse complex. And there was a... a, a um, an agreement worked out between the city and the community college district on when the facility would be available to the city, when the facility would be available to the district, um, how it would be funded, and who would pay for the maintenance and upkeep of the of the facility. So it's certainly been done. That was the only that was the only one that uh, uh, it, that. Came to fruition in uh, in San Diego, but certainly those joint use facilities are out there.
6: I was going to ask, man, I, I think it's a, br- a brilliant suggestion. Honestly, in our community, we're so we're so connected that it, it just again, it's one of those things that just makes sense. If if Kennedy Park in the city is going to develop, and they are, and there are contingent neighbor, and we're thinking about building a field, it, it just seems like a real natural because we're not using it all the time and they're not using it all the time so i think there would be some really good uh conversation there matt was on that development team i don't know whether or not he might speak about it
18: certainly through the master planning process that went on with kennedy park uh, i attended nearly all of those meetings and that was something that consistently came up is looking at joint ventures so that the community can use our athletic fields and off season uh and we could use the city fields, again, related to the, the weather conditions that we experience on our field. So so the city is very very interested in exploring that, too. It's going to take somebody that's more of a legal mind than me to work out the details. But I think both parties are very interested in uh, the opportunity.
0: So I have a couple of questions. Um, actually, maybe three because that brought up another question. And discussing this in the context of a, you know, Considering a bond, um, this idea, you know, of partnering, uh, does that bring up an issue of, uh, you know, our priorities? I mean, in the context of, of thinking about the bond and the community looking at what we're doing, um, if we're out spending money on, you know, ball fields or something, I, I know there's some need there, but I'm talking about in this context, viewing it in the context of the bond discussion. Does that question our priorities? Um, you know, if if we've got money that we need to expand lab space or whatever, um, so that's one. I don't know if we want to address that one first before I go on.
6: Yeah, well, I, I can sure. I think this this whole this is a new line up there, which would be conduct conversations before we go out for the survey with the city. And, and kind of quantify that. Are they really interested? What's that What's that look like? Um, I think you, you get, it's a political question, right? So it's not about us reprioritizing, but um, it's how you feel about answering the question when a surveyor calls you and said, would you look favorably upon Napa Valley College and the city um, working together to, you know, you know, develop a joint-use facility, and it'll either be real high or I don't care. You know, it would show up that way. So it would would let us know in terms of polling and survey whether or not that people are really interested in that, and then they may have no interest. It is a wonderful way for us to get a field. You know, so I know know how our coaches feel about it, um, but... I don't think it's an either or. I think it's more of an and question, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The,
0: and I, the second part was about the uh, timing, and I understand Mariana's point about that and a concern, uh, but mine, I guess my concern would be, would we have any data back, um, you know, in time for us to consider, you know, the next steps in this process uh, or, or is moving that date back um, to, you, know, you were thinking, early October or something, uh, would that require us to take other steps before we have the data uh, that we would need to, to really look at? Because I wouldn't be you know, comfortable um, without some of this data mm-hmm. going out in the community and trying to answer questions. Mm-hmm.
6: Um, well, both the conduct the survey line up there and initiate public information, it is, that's gathering data. You, you know, you're, you would want to feel, I, I think if I were sitting in your, your seat, and me too, I'm, I am kind of sitting in your seat, you know, but when it comes back to a board meeting for the presentation, you really want to, I think you kind of want it to put to bed. At, you want enough information at that meeting to feel not, if it's 50-50, I think the conversation doesn't end the bond. It just says that this community is not ready for what we're we're asking for. It's still going to be one of those four funding mechanisms forever. It it is. It just is a funding mechanism. So it's really going to depend on the the survey results and what those look like. Um, I don't know if that's answering it enough, if there's other ways to gather more information, but really we want... Uh, Are you you're not speaking? Are you speaking about what we need here on campus?
0: No, I'm speaking about what we need in terms of data to to actually look at these issues and and be able to discuss them specifically when we're asked, not in the community. Yeah. Um, So maybe, I mean, maybe that doesn't change. Uh, The data, the consultant would gather the data, do the studies. Mm Hmm. um, and it would come back at whatever time. Um, I mean, that part of the, the timeline maybe doesn't change whether we extended the November deadline or, or shortened it to October. Uh, do you know what I mean?
6: I do. I, I think. Does the
13: does the survey? So we've got the survey being conducted in August. Can that be moved back? Some, I mean. Sure.
6: Yeah, I mean, you know, the survey. Uh, my guess right? is there's not going to be a vast difference in an August survey response and a response rolled out next month. Right. I mean, it, it, the community is not going to radically change their, their fundamental views. I think also the but – you, but you can't roll a survey out without being a little more specific about what you're actually asking people. Mm-hmm. So I think what Matt had alluded to is quantifying the FMP components, you know, getting – you know, would you be so you, you have to have questions specific to something. And so we'd have a question in there, for example, about sports fields, but we'd probably have it about labs and classroom modifications. Would you be in favor or support of, I can't get the language right now, but, you know, technology and that, those things. So we have, will. we could move that back. So I guess we could maybe accomplish that, you know, May, June, July. And, you know, again, I put the longer things on here. So. Don't know.
0: So, so part of that depends on <laughs> these two gentlemen. Oh, yeah. He's pointing at Matt. <laughs>
6: Just this guy.
0: Yeah. Uh,
18: I think in August is about the earliest I think that we could get together some fairly firm numbers because there's there's other pieces and parts to this too. As I mentioned at a meeting this morning with Eric, talking about structuring the uh, the right. Methodology to gather the information from the instruction side for classroom size and cap ratios and those kinds of things. And so Eric is going to go and try to try to get some of that information from the instruction side. But that right there is going to be a month or two. And so those are the parts of it. Uh, but I think certainly by August we'll have the nuts and bolts of quantifying those things, so we can have ballpark numbers and. Also, work a little bit on the prioritization of what that list might look like in sequencing so that a survey could be
6: put together for August. Go ahead. ahead. Let me just say one thing. The STEP, initiate public information program. So I'm in this now. So there's there's really no presentation I make or conversation I have at lunch in the community. And I'll have another one this week, and probably two or three, where I don't talk about. I get asked about the bond, or how's the college doing? What are you What are you thinking about? How, is there a bond? And, you know, and I'll say, just it's proposed. We're thinking about a bond in, in many other pieces, and I look for responses from people. Um, that you know, I can't say in fourteen, I could de- definitively say there was a there was a pushback. You know, it felt like an uphill battle <laughs> a bit, but I think unified did a really good job talking with people, getting education on the front burner. Our reputation as, as one of the leading institutions in the state now is very well known in the valley. Um, I don't think we've ever enjoyed, at least f- from all I hear from people, the, the, the kind of reputation that we have now, we're on a, we have a high momentum point. So people are enjoying that kind of conversation out there. So it happens. It, it's a continuous piece. Yeah, I'm sorry.
4: Um, so this kind of goes along with our housing project that we're going to be talking about later. But so talking about housing, um, so, I mean, that's a major project, and it's kind of been moving along outside of the normal, normal planning process. Um, it's not part of our educational master plan. It's not part of our facilities master plan. Um, when I asked about that, I was told that we needed to first dis- establish if there was a need for it, and then it could become part of that plan. Um, and so, I'm just wondering: well, there is there time to? And in that case, it would go through share, you know, where stakeholders could weigh in in terms of what they want, in terms of housing, um, if that is if there is a need for it. Um, is there time to get that integrated into the facilities master plan so that it could be part of a survey? Because perhaps that is something that the community would support um, one of the things that came out of the Godby survey was that uh, community members have a really hard time supporting maintenance they feel that that's our responsibility to be able to maintain our buildings but new projects are much more attractive and um, housing might be something that the community might Want to support? So um, anyway, I just, I f- no matter what, I feel like that needs to get back into our planning process so stakeholders can weigh in in terms of what that's going to look like. But also, and it, I think it looks odd to have that big project outside of our plan. We don't have it in our plan. But three, maybe that's something that could be part of the survey then, and maybe the community would support it, and it could be part of the bond. So anyway, I just want to kind of feedback on what you guys think about that issue of the housing being outside of our plans right now.
6: He- um, the, the facilities master plan isn't doesn't include housing on, um, on our campus. On so most campuses, it's not included. It's not outside of our planning process at all. It's its own separate. You are the planning process. So you're talking about a lease, a ground lease, for a potential project. So it would be inappropriate to have a housing complex. We can't show an educational need, nor would we. I, I think in an educational master plan for housing, nor would I recommend it be in the facilities master plan because it's it's really not a piece of that. And this is a this is a housing alternative that the college would collaborate with another nonprofit to build. Um, they you know by we would be leasing the land. So you know getting it anywhere near this there's no nexus between the a bond a general obligation bond in my view and the housing. Housing is completely separate, sole, different function different structure it's definitely not a general obligation bond i would never ask a taxpayer to support a college housing project i think it's inappropriate and um uh, especially in this in this climate
4: well, i'll talk about it more when we that topic comes up
0: okay. i had one more question um on the the bond um where or maybe there are two separate things uh, along this process, you know, when we started, um, you were talking about the other sources of funding. So so where in this process does that fit into, or does it just kind of sit on a parallel track where maybe we have that other money to, to continue to do other projects, uh, or does it get taken into account in, in what we're trying to get from the bond?
13: Can I, Can I add to that? <laughs> because that's also something that I'm uh, trying to get, trying to embrace is exactly what what that means. So what I heard earlier Matt say about getting the figures together and everything before we go out to conduct these surveys and all of that, um, I guess what I didn't get was what are those figures? What are those numbers that you're putting together to be able to then go and take that next step. Is that kind of the same? Oh, you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I misunderstood you then.
3: Answer him okay, first. So let, me, we'll him let, <laughs> let me answer the
9: first question, which is that I see them as parallel. That, because, for example, we won't, we probably won't know how successful the NBC Foundation capital campaign is before the time we would need to announce uh, a general obligation bond. We probably won't have confirmation from the state on whether or not a, fun- a project is being funded prior to the time that we would go out for a general obligation bond. If we look at, and we don't know what the numbers are yet, we'll, we're, we will be working with uh, uh, consulting firm, an architectural consulting firm, to help us put numbers in terms of how many dollars per square foot will it take to construct a a, a science lab building, how many dollars. And the dollars per square foot for the 2,200 building will be significantly higher than the dollars per square foot for the 200 building, which would be general classroom space. And so that's where we need the help from someone outside who is in the construction business or is connected to the construction business to put those numbers put those numbers on paper for us we suspect however that the total cost of everything that is in the facilities master plan will exceed what we would potentially be able to get voter approval for or a bond measure. And so that's where these other sources of funding come into play. Thank you. Did
18: that, did that answer your question,
9: well? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. We we are, John? John?
6: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I owe you So, you know, at the bottom line, I think, you know, I'm just going to address you because this is your your business meeting, right? So what you – I think from my vantage point, what – you need to feel is comfort level that a a bond is needed, and and the, when we start to quantify the the needs of the facilities master plan, you'll you'll see those those numbers rise up, um, and understand then the ways in which you could vote to fund it. Some of those ways are just moving forward. I mean, general fund is moving forward. Our auxiliary services is moving forward already. You know, I'm on the. The stump, if you will. Everybody I talk to out there who's who's um, has wherewithal, I ask them about support for the college. Um, certainly, we have had um, deep conversations about naming rights for the performing arts center with um, with wineries, um, with other institutional folks, um, and you know. So there are there are th- those would not stop, nor should they, and um, they 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 wouldn't. Enhance what we would do. So, so tonight, this the information item is really um, for you to feel more comfortable because I will come to you next month with an action item to let to let a contract for this really exploring the feasibility, and that that will be a consultant to help us start to work on testing the communities. You know. Um, openness to a general obligation bond in the future based on what we know, right? And and that will always be a slightly iterative piece. You're never going to have a, um, as we've talked about it, you know, a. I want to know exactly what this building looks like this early on. What's it look like? What's the design? What's the color? How big is it? Those things change with the educational needs of the institution, right? So that you need some flexibility in it, but not... Um, not radically. There are some institutions that that pass it in in uh, I wish I knew the legal word you guys do kind of in the blind which is we're, we're going to pass a general obligation bond based on a facilities master plan that you will see in the future. Santa Rosa did this, right? I mean half a billion and uh, we'll design it later. And um, you know, so it's just there are different styles, but I don't think that we want to go that direction. So
13: I do think that I think the one thing and I was just I was just thinking about this that Raphael Michael and myself were the only ones here at the time yes and um, I think that the one thing that we may have missed is not having enough professional um, help mm-hmm. and I I just I know from other things that I do that those campaign professionals and those consultants that and all of those things. Yeah. Um, they they do it because they know how to do it, and it's uh, <laughs> it's really critical. I think that we need to make sure that we have professionals um, mm-hmm. managing it. And then the other thing that I just want to add is that I do think it needs to be June, uh, and I need. I think we need to set our sights and what we want to accomplish to make sure that it happens in June, because I think November would just be the wrong time to do it for many reasons. I mean, I what I don't want to see is also, like we had the last time, is running it up against when board members were running for re-election and then uh, having people running against them using the bond as a campaign tool. And so, um, you know, I, regardless if I win or lose an election, the most important thing is that the college gets what the college needs. So, anyway, that's.
6: I think most political consultants, are, you know, June used to be unusual for running bond campaigns, but um, the elections generally across up and down the state, as we've, as we've talked about, you know, trustee elections are, are hot and heavy. You know, and there's a, there's a lot of activity that goes on. And sometimes the, the messaging of just this is about student success gets kind of lost for a little bit. So I think, and and my guess is with you, November of 18 might be really messy, you know, for a whole bunch of national and state reasons as well. You know, so I don't want to get that all clouded in. and So I, I agree.
0: Jennifer, did
20: you have a question? So I just can, a couple of quick ones. Um Sorry. <laughs> First is, is there any means of compressing some of this timeline by having uh, special meetings or study mm-hmm. sessions and whatnot so that we don't have to wait a whole month to go to, into the next phase? I, I mean, I know there's some things that have to be done in the regular schedule, but you know, maybe if we're just having a discussion and not taking action or something like that. And then my other question was um, to do with the consultants that are in here a couple of times. Are those things that would be put into our regular general fund budget, or is there any anticipation that perhaps the foundation might uh, front some of the cost for these things?
6: Both. Um, You you can definitely, this can definitely be compressed, and I'm I'm happy to hear you thinking in terms of, you know, the political realities of that. And as we've talked about, consultants are critical here. Um, We have built in some money. We can use consultants to help us explore Um, A We can't use them, obviously, to help campaign or any of those things, as you are well aware. Um, The the foundation, the Napa Valley College Foundation, is, as you know, is front and center now, has really worked um, closely with the college, and they actually changed their bylaws through special action this year because they had a a, a piece of their bylaw that um, didn't allow them to support campaigns. It was old, out of the 80s, and they changed it to be more – Better practice, I think. You know, they were one of the only few in the state that had that. So they're they're ready and willing to um, step forward and help.
0: Okay, just uh, one or two more. Amy,
4: is is there a plan? Um to reach out early to the Taxpayers Association and try to work with them on the development of the language, if we even get to that point, because they haven't always deposed every bond. There have been bonds that have stayed neutral on, so um, I'm just wondering if that's part of the plan. I, saw that.
6: I read that article in the editorial in the register, and I thought, that's good. Yeah, last time we reached out early on to the taxpayers in 14, and... Um, we had some really good discussions, and then they kind of just fell away. They just really couldn't support it, um, and for some maybe reasons that they felt were legitimate. We would definitely reach out and this initiate public information. Definitely, if we if we continue to move forward, you need everybody that you can get at the table. Just like we've been talking about housing, you know, you know, the more more people to, at the table to discuss it, um, the better. So I would think it, it's great. I'd rather I'd rather address uh, you know openly. You know what their issues might be. If it's just anti-tax, anti-education, then it's that's fair enough. But you know, but maybe it's maybe they would support some pieces of it.
0: Did you have something else, Miriam?
14: Yeah, but
2: it's gone. I I had um, sneaking in. (laughs) Sorry, Mr. President. Um, The way the plan is drafted. And I know that it's very early, and and I know that without having construction consultants available, do we have a ballpark figure? I mean, what are we going to be talking about to? Yes, uh, Matt can address it. Yeah.
18: Well, I'm going to say I don't want to tell you a ballpark figure because I don't figure? want anybody to hold me to any number that I might say. I have a lot of numbers in my head, and I have uh, I have some general ideas. Uh, I I just – I don't want to put it out there because we do need to have – we really want to have the conversation, again, with instruction and with student affairs to talk about these kinds of things without me predetermining or leading the conversation too much. And and so uh, that's all I'll say to that right now. Thank
20: you. Also, if I could could just – in my experience, when you don't want to have any conversation like that before you have the survey because – the results of that survey could really influence what you're asking for.
0: Okay, last last comment.
4: I guess my big concern um, is communications. I mean, obviously selling a bond is all about good, clear communication. I think that was an issue. Um, in 2014, I think it was issue even with this recent election in 2016. And even just recently, and, and I talked to Dr. Kraft about this, some of the articles that have come out recently that um, I didn't feel were accurate and others as well. So I think that comes down to, like, trust, you know, that we have really honest, clear communication from this point forward. Um, you know, I think that's critical to passing a bond. So.
18: Thank you.
21: Mr. Chair,
0: I didn't sign up. I didn't. Up. Michael,
18: uh, no. did you it. Michael, did you have a comment? I, I, yes, and I did. I don't disagree with anything said here. I I'd just like to emphasize what has been said, which I like, and that's as long as we. This is driven and framed and defined by educational need. That that's that's paramount in this whole discussion and thank you
0: Mr. Ortman I have a card for you for 14.4
21: that's right Did, you want can to I speak, speak to this issue, issue? This
0: I'll give you a couple minutes
21: a couple minutes thank you uh, two points one is before you authorize any expenditures of public funds on a uh, bond issue you better check with legal counsel because since nineteen seventy, well it's an illegal expenditure the Supreme Court has so ruled so uh, and that was a case of Stanson versus Mott, where it was a bond issue for $250 million for parks in the state of California, and Mott was the uh, uh, director of the parks, and he authorized expenditure, and the Supreme Court said you may be responsible for that. It was an illegal act, so be careful. You, there are other ways to do it, but you have to be very careful in checking with legal counsel. The other thing is that I would urge you to engage citizens and perhaps a citizens committee as early as possible, and uh, Dr. Kraft and I had a discussion about this a couple months ago, because I had a personal experience uh, when I was on the city council in Belmont. Um, our predecessors had a disaster of an assessment, and they had to visualize um, a basketball stadium, the gymnasium at the high school, where everybody in town comes to. They had to put people. The people were terribly upset with the assessment. They they they, they messed it up. We, well, I got elected partly on that, and we engaged a citizen's committee to say, well, okay, we need, we need to fix the drainage pipes. How can we do this in a fair manner? We kept citizens from all sorts of places. When, when we had the new assessment, it went perfectly because we engaged the community early. It's not just, oh, here's the plan, can you go out and sell it? No. You have to engage them as soon as you can and get them to buy into it. So I would recommend that if you could possibly do that. And I think that's what Trustee Martinson was getting at when she asked the question. It wasn't about the housing per se. It was about engaging people early. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Okay. Thank you. We are down to uh, 13, consent calendar. Anything on the consent calendars? Okay. Seeing no comments or questions, the consent calendar is approved by consent. Item 14, action items. 14.1, waiver of first reading and adoption of board policy, 4231,
6: grade changes. I think it might be best to call on Eric to kind of lay the foundation and framework of this, and and Sherry's here who go maybe speak at uh, maybe not. Okay, she won't. Um, If Amanda was here, she would as well.
16: Yeah, so we have have a, a board policy on grade changes. There's an associated AR that we've also done a revision on in the last few weeks, Um, So in this particular instance, what we're doing here on this board policy is that we are including language that um, allows for us to change a grade in accordance with federal law. So we have state law that defines really clearly when we can change a grade uh, for a student. It's defined in Title V and 55025 um, is the section that, that defines when we can do it. Um, uh, um, is part of a resolution agreement that we're working on with the Office of Civil Rights. It was pointed out that our state law doesn't prohibit us uh, from, from changing grades in other instances. And so in this case, this was suggested language. And so we're uh, putting this through and we're asking for it to go through on first reading uh, so that we can have a timely response on this particular matter. Um, so what this does is that the change that's in front of you here tonight allows for us to change a grade in an instance where um, discrimination has been found uh, by the Office of Civil Rights or by another federal entity for a student uh, whose accommodation was not um, upheld um, under uh, Section 504 or, um, for another, uh, or for any other federally recognized protected class of, uh, of um, students. And so what this does is that it allows for us to change the grade explicitly in that instance if that's found to be one of the remedies in an instance um, so, in this at this particular time, uh, there isn't a pending grade change that's uh, waiting for this board policy to be adopted. This is just um, a heads up from them that we should include this in our local board policy to be compliant with both state and federal law. Straightforward.
0: I move to approve. Is there so, a second? Any other discussion?
18: This protects me. <laughs>
4: so it's basically. I it <laughs> <laughs> So it's just the last bullet that's been added, just the last bullet's been added to the policy basically then?
16: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nothing else has been changed other than the last bullet.
0: Carolee, can we call the vote? Who are we waiting on here? Probably me. I haven't seen anything pop up on my screen again. Do you go back to the agenda? Yes. Your
1: yeah. vote,
0: yay. Yeah. It must be this, Chair. <laughs> the yeah. the uh, spirit the of item passes oh, right.
3: unanimously.
0: Thank you. Item 14.2, curriculum approval, spring 2017. Is that Eric?
16: Yeah, let me know if you have questions on the packet. It's our monthly packet coming through.
0: Move approval. Is there a second? Any discussion or questions? Seeing none
19: I just had a click just broke so are we adding any more math classes or are we having have we increased our offerings in math and English or?
16: so in this case all, all that's in front of you tonight are modifications to existing courses so there are no new courses that are being proposed on this on this curriculum packet um, what's happening here is that we had a subject code which is the um, uh, the four letters in front of the number. Uh, we're changing the subject code from L-R-N-S, which stands for Learning Services, back to M-A-T-H for math, which is what these courses were previously, just to make it a little cl- clearer to students what the content of the course is. That's all.
3: All right, guys.
0: Okay. <laughs> anything else?
1: Can we call the vote, early
3: I'm done. It. it
1: Are you, You're logged in, Michael? I am logged in, yes. Oh, okay. Um, I can record your
18: vote if I am for it, yes The
1: item passes unanimously
0: Thank you 14.3, ratify financial documents Do we have a motion to approve?
3: Move to approve
0: Do we have a second? Second Any questions or comments? Seeing none, call
3: the vote I'm logging in again
1: Passes unanimously.
3: Sorry. Thank you.
0: 14.4, authorization to proceed, college housing request for qualifications. We do have a uh, public comment. Mr. Ortman? It's
3: hard to know what this item is about.
6: <laughs> so, But I'll, I'll speak anyway. Do you want to w- wait, Gary? I mean, you, um, could, you could wait for some of the presentation and then... Well, actually, let me let me address okay. now because
21: I have no clue what you're going to be talking about. Okay. But but some of my remarks have to do with the last meeting. And first of all, I want to thank everybody uh, on the board for the excellent questions and comments uh, that you did make in, in giving the feedback. Um, I think there's still a lot of answers, but this is you know this is early in the stage. But I think you got the 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 the, uh, the right questions out there. Um, there were a couple of things that were said. One is that uh, Bob Parker said that the bonds uh, would not be an obligation of the district. And that's correct. And Dr. Kraft was even more unequivocal. Um, and he said that uh, 501c3 financing, it's all on the back of the private investors. Technically correct. What they didn't say is that the placing of the bonds off balance sheet does not mean that there are no credit implications. First of all, GASME statement number 60 uh, now requires a disclosure note in the the financial statement as to the amount of the outstanding bonds, Um, even if if they're in the LLC, the 501C3. Uh, And Moody's came out last year and said that that the bond rating agency has issued an advice uh, cautioning investors that um, there are uh, payment risks that can add stress on procuring government's credit profile. Uh, especially in economic downturns. Um, the third point here is that uh, it can even affect governments with great credit ratings. Uh, in, uh, University of California in its Mission Bay campus, despite its tax-exempt financing, um, there was great interest, you know, capitalized interest involved in that project, and it resulted in uh, dilution of its overall credit by 30 basis points. Now, that was a big project. So the, but the more of these projects you have, it can affect your credit rating. Uh, third thing I want to point out is that um, there, are other w- there are other ways in which you sh- uh, uh, should not think of a tax-exempt financing facilities as free money, and it's not. Um, you should keep in mind, one, public financing public financing is the least expensive way to finance projects. Now that's clear in the literature. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to send each of you some of the, some some references I found that I'm citing from these uh, these points. Uh, PPP uh, private uh, public private partnership long-term projects do not manage themselves. That's another point that the literature shows. They require aggressive management and monitoring by government, and this increases the transaction cost as well as the higher interest. Um, one statement continues to come, come pop up in the, the discussion that you had uh, the last meeting, and I, I've heard it a lot. And that is that uh, third parties have financing and management expertise that the college does not. Please recognize the inconsistency with this and the prior statement uh, regarding the need for aggressive management and monitoring by the government. That requires our agents, our public agents to have equally, be equally as knowledgeable and with the skill sets uh, that the private party does. And I think it's a myth that the public sector is incapable of managing complex problems. That's simply not true. We could point to lots of public agencies that manage very complex projects. One, of course, is the University of California. <clears throat> it's planning to add 29,000 beds in five years to its already... 87,000 beds for student housing um, and the regents committee that has purview over the housing the student housing has set affordability as a priority this is a policy decision Affordab- the fact that their housing is going to be affordable that's a policy decision that's not a decision they leave to staff that's not a decision that's subject to negotiation they don't leave it to the developers they set that as a policy, affordability um, you also ought to be aware that uh, there's, in, in sort of in line with this, there is a code section in the education code that requires community college districts um, and it requests them, but it, it's, a, it's a request that, that col- uh, community college campuses that maintain student housing facilities give priority for housing to current and formal, former homeless students and current and former foster youth. And if housing is open during breaks or year-round said students are requested to be given first priority so it's right there in the law that you know affordability should be a factor and you know that's something that I'd, I'd like to see um, this board get involved in early in the process of setting the policy not not wait for it all to go through and all of a sudden you're presented with something and all of it, you know because if you leave it to the developer the developers the developers not going to want to have affordable housing. Wilford wants to, you know, something with few amenities, There's more profit than that. But it's up to this board, just like UC said. That's one of the first priorities is housing has got to be affordable. They have a real problem. Our community has a problem. So that's my pitch, based on what happened at the last meeting. I have no idea what you're going to talk about tonight.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
6: Uh thank you. Gary. That was, those are good, uh, and I, I, I had notes on it. I, th- I agree with all those things. I think those are consistent with the conversations that that we're trying to do tonight. Really, if um, do I pick it up off of here, Shirley? Really? Yes, I can. Are you? Are you? You're driving. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So um, it's really about next steps, um, and and I'm going to be very transparent with you in that, you know, at, uh, from a president's side, staff side, um, we made a decision through our conversations in Cabinet to come to you tonight for the action step to authorize the institution to move forward with a request for qualifications. It's a step that's generally not afforded to the Board because you, you don't have to approve it. I have authority to do that. But... I talked with Raphael, and we, and we discussed it, and we thought it was a, a good, transparent piece, if you will, try to keep the ball moving, keep it in your court, keep you involved in every step of the, of the process. And I like our speaker's um, emphasis on policy. There, there, there would be lots of opportunities to address policy in this. Regardless of what you really do or we do together here over the next couple of years, my guess, my sense is that the college will continue to address um, maybe public, private, or housing alternatives, and or other things in the future over the next twenty years or so. So this, you're kind of in the vanguard of being able to set the template, and um, I think that's exciting for you as well. Um, so let's, so that, that's kind of a a piece here. This is interesting. I, I don't want you to see this as hyperbole and look at it more as, uh, you know, maybe facts to be unpacked. Um, but for a college, a typical P3, which is this public-private partnership. I'm going to unpack this a little bit as we go. Um, the, the private piece here doesn't mean for profit um, in this case. What we're really looking at is a non-profit um, um, corporation that um, we would either, you would either form or we would join in one that's already doing this for the state of California, probably the same one that the UC system is using. So it, um, that corporation is the entity that our ground lease, right, our lease of our ground would be um, responsible, um, they would be responsible for um, the, the building and, and coordinating with the college. Um, this project uses tax-exempt municipal bonds with no long-term financial liability. What that means is no long-term is important for you to understand because there are some upfront costs, not big, um, not millions, certainly not even hundreds of thousands, but there are upfront costs that, that will um, be incurred. Um, that would then be, if you move forward, and, and we believe that, th- that this is a very viable project, um, and bonds are issued that would be um, um, repaid to the district. So there is some, some uh, if you will, skin in the game. But not um, certainly nothing that I consider to be um, damaging or dangerous or imprudent or unreasonable. Um, and well, we can talk about those specifically. Bill's capacity and uh, capability for students. The biggest important piece. There is um, every sense. Um, and there is, in every sense, I think, the the understanding uh, across higher education that as students who live on campus, um, generally perform better. It, the, the teaching, learning environment changes. I, it, I don't have uh, any doubt, in my mind at least, that that wouldn't hold true to Napa Valley College as well. So if there were an apartment complex that we did not own, that was existing now over on this front that the Gasser Foundation had built and we had students living there, it would not be surprising me to me at all that those students would, if we polled them, would do well at this college. They live next to it. They don't have to drive it. They, you know, not. They don't. They don't have an excuse not to go to class. They'll enroll for more classes because there's no, you know, so those things. So, yeah, I'm just trying to normalize it for you because this this is not a bizarre, crazy concept here, um, and provides long-term passive revenues. the The way that these generally work with the public privates. Are after after all of the expenses and building and bond funding and operations, the difference between what's charged in rent and what is then shared with the college as a leaseholder, as the, as part of that um, agreement, can be um, very substantial. I'll share with you tonight, um, you know, kind of a straw figure that we've used. The danger in sharing straw figures, as Matt said, is once you talk about straw figures, and they become real. So I may skip that entire slide. Um, We'll see. Um, Retains ownership of the land. You never lose ownership of the land. We've talked about that. That was a policy decision that we talked about. You did not vote on, but we certainly talked about it at length over the past two years. You had robust conversation here publicly about holding and retaining ownership of the land. Otherwise... You could policy decision carve it off, sell it now, sell the front. It's probably worth I don't know twenty million or something. Um, you know, it, it it may not be worth that much because it's all educational zone and you know, and it, it's more useful to us. But you get my point. And the buildings as they um, they revert to the college at the end of the ground lease. Um, Thirty years is not that old for many buildings. Um, I w- assume these would be built. Um, to some level of maybe not um, lead, but we would approach lead, and it would certainly be your policy decision, like we talked about, like you just said, to establish those from the get go, what you wanted, what quality you wanted these to look like, to be built with, sustainable, you know those kinds of things. Not a lot of uh, plastic reusable, but something else I'm just know yeah. all right. Um, so um, let's take a look at this next one. So the, the, there was some question on, on a request for qualifications. It, this is a pre-qualification step, if you will, that MVC is using in the process of procuring program managers. We would like to get a list of people who have done this, including the people who probably did USC. It would be really interesting. Other folks who have been in this business, who have spent some time, who are experts, um, and we would put out this call for them to submit their qualifications. So I would assume that that you and I and the committee would eliminate, even though it might be a great guy, a local contractor with three people working for them. Uh, you know, I think that's risky. It was. It's probably not a a, a good a, a good piece. You know, it might be somebody else that doesn't have any experience in student housing that you might consider. But we'll, it, that's what this is for. Um, it's not asking people to do anything other than. Submit quals, and we will um, help them submit those calls by identifying what we'd like them to answer. Length of time in business, number of employees, what's the biggest project you ever did, um, you know, have you worked with the educational institutions or governments before? Those are all good questions to ask. Have you ever been bankrupt? Are you currently in suit? <laughs> those, those are good questions, right? So um, the responses to the RFQ, will develop a company qualification list, um, to help us move forward to the next steps. That's really the action that we're asking you to do tonight. Um, there are other kind of quals. I want to see. This does not allow. This really looks like the kind of the timeline. Um, and here we are, you know, in, in um, April, RFQs. Um, uh, there's two things that appear on, this, on these um, arrows that I want to unpack for you. And initial surveys. The, the survey, I think I, I traded a couple of emails with several trustees on, on surveys. You know, are we going to ask our present students? And the answer is sure. We need to ask our students right now for kind of their gen, generic interest. We're working on that survey. Um, I send it over to Robin who will help us kind of fine-tune that survey, and we'll roll one out to our present student population. I've already met with Gabriel Sanchez and students, and we've talked about what that might look like. Um, the RFQs will go out in April. Um, through May and June, we'll receive the responses. We'll continue on the surveying. Um, it's, it's akin to the conversation we had on another issue tonight. Information, you never shut down information, right? I'm always interested in information. So if a new something pops up in the city, if Gasser Foundation decided to announce a 2,000-room something across the street for affordable housing, I think we're done, right? Um, that would be thrilling. Right, uh, you know, so there are things that would happen, you know, locally that will keep information going. August, September, we choose a project manager. Um, October, November. This is, you know, this after the after the fall. You plan and negotiate with that person. You, start, you come to some ag- agreement of what this planning process might look like. November through June, you start a series of activities to advance the project. This project has a lot of as. Uh, as Gary said, I'll, I'll just say, I'll, I'll lean on a couple of things. There's a lot of ambiguities, really, in a project like this and a lot of moving parts. We're in no rush. I would not advise you to be in a huge rush here. We don't have to be turnkey in a year or even two. It's going to take a while to unpack this. And we want it to be a highly well-defined, well-understood, clearly identifiable project. And and there's no magic here. Again, I, I'm I'm just... Uh, urging you to be thinking about um, this is not—we are not a four-year university. Uh, we we don't have, and I mean this in a good way. We don't have Greek life here. It will affect student life, and I think the activities that they would engage in. So we'd have more more students on campus more of the time, and so we'd have to address and look at those um, opportunities. We also in conversations over the last several years and certainly over the decade that this has been discussed by the board, you know, and I'll say it again, it's been about 10 years or so, um, leveraging on the assets that we have, utilizing the parking lots um, that we have, um, um, adding some parking for for these, but it's not um, it's not unusual for a college to leverage on, on its existing parking structure um, or uh, the kind of opportunities that are possible. Leveraging on the pool usage. Um, for off hours on cafe usage for cafeteria, all those things that we already own and use could be greatly enhanced by more students uh, taking advantage so those this is a general timeline now let me see if if um, these are some assumptions i 'm going to walk you through how can you can you promise me a couple things here that you are looking at i i 'm showing you pins in the map right i mean they're, they're, these are not Anything other than items to give you an idea about what other people who are knowledgeable in the system would say we could do here. They're all possible. There's certainly no probability that we'd end up with this, but I do want to share these assumptions with you because I think it's helpful for you. You okay? Is that a deal? No. Okay, but we'll do it anyway. Um, Okay, so here's some assumptions that we made. I, um, I asked an architect to look at our facility area out here and said, "You know, what's the most buildable area?" Well, in our world, the most buildable area is the area to the right of the um, roundabout coming in. It's high, dry, and flat. It's closer to the amenities. It's easier to build. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of unknowns. A few, but it's easier. Um, the, they showed us a 314 unit. Um, it's about three stories, not huge, and you'll, you'll get a chance to see it. The primary assumption is three story. 56% of the units are single occupancy. Simple best practice. This is what happens across the state. It's based on community college information, based on university information, incoming freshman information, and basically uh, we'd want to take a look at that. If you were to build such a 314 unit, fully furnished, it would be about a $70 million project, right, out the door. Um, rent ranges based on those two things would probably be 800 to 1200 Could you keep them there? That's, those, those are affordable rates in Napa. That's affordable housing in Napa. Um, fully furnished units with utility costs included. So those are assumptions just to kind of give you a glimmer of, of possibilities. Yes.
13: You mentioned uh, Ron that the units would be multiple, you know, yes. like a central area with maybe four rooms or something like yeah. that. So is that eight to twelve hundred for the full unit?
6: Yeah. Okay. No. 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 For, for the indiv- per bed. individual per you, you could. They talk in, in this world. They talk in terms of beds, right? Okay. So okay. Um, if you if you were to share with three other people in one of those units, eight hundred could be a these are not hard figures, by the way. Um, right, these are just right, figures right. But
13: what do those stand for is I guess what I'm uh, questioning sure. is when we do hear real numbers, when somewhere down the road real numbers come to us. Right. Um, then do those numbers stand for what one student would pay or for that
6: group? That would be – that conversation is probably – you know, an hour conversation at a later time. You know, when we're here, mm-hmm. and you would have a call, uh, as we've talked about before. You know, hey, these are two thousand dollar bed units. I, what's the point, right? What's the mm-hmm. point? Mm-hmm. Let's let's okay. go back to the drawing board until they get to the place where we feel, uh, from policy level, they're good. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know if I should recognize or the board should recognize. So you know, you can.
4: Um, this model that you're looking at is this um, like in a, with a. It's so like apartments, each with a kitchen. Is this with a dormitory style, with a central kitchen, a dormitory style with that we're going to reinstitute the cafe where the students would be on a meal plan? What I'm wondering about um, what this model that you're talking about. Yeah, Is I, in fact, apartments are dormitory style. Yeah,
6: not dorms. I, no, nobody's building dorms anymore. I think they have tore them all down because they, you know, the stuff that we suffered through. Um, there are still a few out there, but nobody's building any new. Where I, I can just go army barracks. You know, that's that's my you know none of that anymore. Um, the dorms now really look um, if if, if it's called dorm is really more the the primary thing that you talked about. It's usually three up or four up around a central core. Um, some of the some of the institutional pieces that I've looked at and um, and um, that I would assume we would be looking at down line start to talk about um, what those should look like. I looked at one today with that had four beds, two baths, and a central area. Just as a as a thought process, um, then they there's everything from a little studio with your own private something, right? So it it, it differs. So there is no design contemplated at all. This is just for um, just possibilities. Um, let me keep going. Um, district financing. Um, I put a really high number in here. I talked to consultants. Generally speaking, the, if you were going to move forward on trying to get this, you, you know, the 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 feasibility piece of this kind of looked at and the surveys done, this has to be a credible survey. That the bond market is never going to take a college's word for what it surveyed. They want to see professionals in the field, their survey, people who are skilled in this, because they're 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 going to sell bonds in the future on the market. Based on this information, so it 's got to be it 's got to be done that can be some upfront costs. Um, my guess is it 's going to be twenty five to fifty thousand of upfront costs um, as we start to develop um, before and if you go forward before the bonds can be sold all that is recoupable so there's no long term it's zero dollars from the institution if you move forward with the with the uh, the development short term capital need. Um, until the bonds are sold, 100% of that capital is refunded. Um, based on this, this model, 314 at eight, 800 to 1,200 at 56% units, a single occupancy, it, the annual cash flow after all expenses to the general fund of the college, after all the bonds have been paid, operational costs have been paid, and all of the, that um, attainment is a, about a, a million dollars or so um, annually. And that's that's the expectation. That's best. That's the best guess, if you will. Those numbers would be hard and fast. You could also make a policy decision to not bank that, but to use that money to reduce the costs of the units, or to scholarship out other folks. Or you know, there's lots of things you can do with this with this money that would enhance the student um, experience. Um, MVC initial self study survey. We're starting on those now. Um, you know, our office is um, developing some in the president's office with help with Rippy, and they'll start to take a look, and we'll roll those out. Um, this last part, the, the, this is kind of what the project manager would do if we move forward and, con- and contract with somebody. They'll conduct this credible party market demand. right? They want to know. Um, um, well, that market demand would be an in-depth study of some of the material i have already seen, county, city, background material, gasser foundation material, an, another round of surveying. My guess is, and at this point, if faculty and staff were so inclined, we might in, we might include them in this survey to see what that that tested out at. Um, develop a preliminary working drawings. This is where you get more to not just the sketch, but what what does it kind of look like. Um, we're the entryway, and we said this to Napa Valley, so if I were you, I, I would not want anything that was unpleasant to look at um, because you'll hear about it forever, and I would too. So we want to build a really um, wonderful, attractive project, um, I think. And then there's there's you with shovels and a groundbreaking ceremony down there at the bottom. Um, that's That's possible. All right, so this is just a sketch. Of The color coding is really differentiation between um, single units, multiple units. It doesn't matter. There's no magic in the mix here. It's just to show you that things could be different. Um, this is the area that is in front of the roundabout as you come into the college. You, we would, From your perspective looking at this, you're kind of on top of the pack, right, looking at this building right now. And um, it fits n- nicely in there. By the way, because of the topography and the arboretum, which is also called the green belt, right, which is that protected um, area which uh, students are helping to work on a project to develop that, um, this is almost invisible from, um, I'm trying to think, help me out, Emola. So you can see it for the bridge, but you cannot see it from the street level. It's it's um really a a beautifully kind of cloistered area in there because of the trees and, and that um and the front area. You could certainly see it from um the Vallejo Highway, Napa Vallejo Highway here coming in. could um could the fit the sample fit, FIT really is what you can fit on a certain lot. So they showed me a two hundred and then a three hundred and then and this is I think this is three hundred units with um uh four hundred beds or something like that. Right? Not un- atypical from what you would see across down the street on uh there's a couple new buildings on old on Silverado. Old Silverado as you take it in, in there. Those are some templates that you might look at. I don't know if you've seen the drawings of Gasser Foundation's project that will be across the street, uh, about a mile from here, over over there. Um, um not untypical either. So what about like Road access. Would it be Right now, Kyle, this would be the, the access to this. Right now is is right now on this drawing. It comes in from the front. That, as you know, there have to be some changes. You certainly have to address. It's already. Is Ken still here? Yeah, Ken and Matt. I mean, it's still. It's very sparky. Uh, you know, during those heavy times, nine a.m. You know, those kinds of times, we'd have to look at it. The city, and Matt has shared this on many occasions, the city is very eager to put a connector from gasser way is it gasserway that comes over? Or yeah. Or from the by the movie theater straight across. Boom. Mm. Which would connect the college on the backside. So this could be potentially accessed from another road, the other direction, which would ease traffic. Again, there's those are great questions down line, you know. The, again, this is one area this could easily he could have spotted it if he wanted to, just for our conversation next to the vine trail over there and by the bridge or anywhere across from the theaters you know they, they they all work um the areas this is simply an area that would and that helped us describe it. I think well that's it really so the action that I'm asking you to take is just to authorize us to move forward on the r f q um, we'll, there was a table of contents that was posted for you as an attachment to that, and um, we'll develop the questions that um, we would ask in that RFQ. Utilizing Orange Coast College did a very nice RFQ that they released for their student housing project. Hartnell has done the same. They, they kind of look the same and just adapt it. And I think Bob has already started on, on uh, fine-tuning that for us.
13: I move to approve an RFQ.
6: Second.
0: Any other questions or discussion?
20: I have several. <laughs> um, but first, it, oh, good, you went back to it. I had a question about this district financing, twenty-five to hundred k. Um, that is that money that's paid to the developer to do the feasibility. What well, it wouldn't be
6: developer, but it would be to once we established a program manager. Uh-huh. Um, they probably won't charge a fee, but but without because they're kind of going to work on the possibility that this will this will work right um if they do charge a fee it'll be very minimal um but the, these fees are for consultants who would look at um, endangered species who would look at you know help us through the entitlement process if that's what we need um, so that would be because
20: i remember when we were talking about this um a few months ago it, it the discussion sounded that the developer or whoever ends up taking on this project would incur all those costs up front?
16: It's
6: it's exactly what we shared with you. And what we found out, maybe this information keeps coming, right? The more we dug in to really, I would say, go you know one level down with folks is that people share a lot of no cost up front, and then once you get in, they start to ramp up these costs. So we've been very careful to ask only those people who have, really a great track record um, in, in this possibility. So.
20: so does that mean that – my main concern yeah. is just that um, would we ever be in a position where we would spend that money and then, oh, well, we're just not going to do that project. Yeah. Or is this, it, yeah, so that could. could happen.
6: Yeah. Okay. I think if we spent that money and, and it was determined there was a great – we'll make it not bad, right? I mean, there's a great dinosaur find out there of significant – Not probably as significant as Robin's. What was that? Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. This this paradox thing that um, if it was significant and we found the great mastodon out there, it would probably stop the project in its tracks. We'd probably charge admission and make more money than yeah. yeah.
3: But it could. I mean, there's there's risk here.
6: And the but the the downside risk is for us to manage and make sure this is not an open pot that we keep just putting things in. That that's why you're in the. The process and that's why we have sharp-eyed uh vp of administrative services on, on this as well so yeah you would know that i don't i don't believe it's going to be any more than this um, but certainly we'd sure have to take a hard look if it started to we could do this but you're going to have to put x amount down to do x more we'd have to then decide whether we wanted to do that
20: um and what what kind of rubric are you going to use to determine whether or not a company is qualified? Because I, I was concerned looking at the table of contents yeah. that there was no content. <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah, Well, we didn't want to run the, the – I mean, it, it, they're pretty typical. I mean, you know, we, we could show – we debated to show you, you know, Orange Coasts, you know. It asks a series of questions. Really, those – the rubric really asks, are you real? I mean, I'm going to do, you know, are you real? How long have you been real? Are you, are you incorporated or, you know, what level of, of, of project have you done? Um, do you have experience in this? And then it asks the, the, the kind of nasty questions, you know, are you, have you been in litigation, those kinds of things? Um, we would want to have enough to be able to come together to look at those and say, you know, where's your website? We'd like to visit a project to see what you've done. We'd like to talk to the people there to see what you know the how they felt about the experience. All of those things, so we would build that into the to the RFQ. So we would eliminate those people who would maybe want to build an apartment complex, but this is way more than that, right? We have more at stake here.
20: And so we even after this process, the RFQ process has mm-hmm. been completed, and you've kind of narrowed it down to even just to one right Group. we're we're not yet under any obligation to do anything
13: is None. that correct you're not
6: voting on any of that now yeah
0: Marianne?
13: And, and if i'm understanding that the so as jennifer just said the rfq we're not obligated to anything at this point it's not costing us anything <laughs> um the narrowing down process who gets involved in that
6: staff okay. right now it would be staff it would be um we could certainly include your subcommittee if you'd like, you know, your housing, not your housing, but your land use subcommittee mm-hmm. to, to bring them back in when we get those and gather them up to have another eye from board level would be, I think, fine and, and appropriate in this case because, to be frank, you know, your predecessors have been trying to do this for a couple decades, so, um, yeah, maybe you know, maybe you'll get it accomplished and it's good for you to weigh in. I think it would be an okay thing.
0: Amy?
4: I... I'm not against student housing. I, I, what I'm having a problem with is the process that we're going under um, on a lot of different levels. Um, so, for example, last meeting, um, there was going to be a PowerPoint presentation from an outside person that had done this. I guess it was a developer, I think. Um, and there was a PowerPoint presentation. We didn't. That person canceled. I thought we would have it at a later time so we could ask some questions from somebody who has experience in this. Um, but in, I looked at the PowerPoint, it says Phase 3 is to seek a developer through the RFQ uh, and RFP process. Um, so I'm just wondering what happened to Phase two, 1 and 2. Um, some of the things that were in Phase 1 and 2 were understanding the st- strategic institutional objectives, so understanding what our goals are. Um, demographic analysis. Um, for example, I mentioned to you, I would really like to see our, a snapshot of our current students. Where are they coming from right now? How many are really are coming from outside of the near vicinity. Um, I also mentioned um, in your packet that you provided us last month, you um, you provided a general study on housing insecurity, and it mentioned um, a study that a lot of colleges have given to their own students to look at housing insecurity. I'd like to look at our own students and get some actual data um, to support the need. So that's my first part is this lack of uh, kind of preliminary data, um,
6: let me can I address a couple of we pieces? say we are
4: data driven so I haven't seen any data so that's the first part
6: so um, on uh, we have a very good and you've actually seen as a board um, our student populations in there, but it's really easily Rippy has that on their site you can just drill to and find exactly that definitional demographic definition if you can if you'd like and where people come from by zip code, we have exactly the percentages and even broken down by gender and background and major and all that so that's fully available right now. In, in terms of the... Um, I tried to find the survey that you you had recommended. I couldn't find it yet. I reached out to Ben. It would be interesting maybe to to see, to do, after our initial our initial survey, to run a survey for, for general housing and security among our students. Not a bad idea, and I think it's... Again, this is a flow of information that would add to this piece. There is no... Perfect sequence. I mean, you, you can, every, every single um, project manager has a slight tweak that they like to do. And then you have to look at a specific site specific. So Napa is highly unique. We're highly unique in that we meet virtually all the criteria for bond raters off the scale, on campus, in an, in, you know, needed, needed affordable housing, in a high ident- you know, all of that stuff. So whatever it is that we, we will need to develop that you will feel comfort. My, my goal is to continue to provide you information until your comfort level is one that you feel reasonable about moving forward. So.
4: And I guess I, I would like to see that, those simplest things, those simple steps, um, like the most obvious steps done first before we start going out and actually start looking for a developer. Um, the other thing that's mentioned the things that you would do first. Um, they talked about um, constituent meetings, focus groups, interviews. Um, I'm curious right now to know you know, what are students interested in. For example, um, I, I actually emailed it to all the board um, earlier today and I just gave some copies. I actually contacted every single community college in California that has housing, student housing. Um, everybody but one responded and um, there's again different models. There's there actually are quite a few dorms, um, and there are apartments. There are both. Um, and to make the assumption that our students want apartments over dorms, I, that's our assumption. Um, I'll give you. I li- had both experiences in college. I lived in an apartment at UC Irvine, and I lived in a dorm at UC Berkeley. And I preferred the dorm because being in an apartment is, is isolating. You know, and having the real college experience of being able to eat in a community style with other people and getting to know people from all over the world is a great experience. So I just think we shouldn't make the assumption that students want to be in apartments. Um, I think that we sh- that should come out of from them. Um, kind of to that point, um, Amanda Badgett brought up at a previous meeting about the fact that um, that this is part of shared governance, that it's part of planning and budget, that it's a ten it, plus one, and that's
6: a misnomer. It's not. Okay. It's, per, it's totally in your purview. So uh, this piece, um, and, and I would agree, and Amanda have had really good conversations on this, and she helped clarify on, on, in our conversation. But, you know, would we want to move forward without um, a, a shared conversation with constituencies? And my advice to you as a board, even though you can do that, because it's not this is, this is outside of the planning process, because this is surp- not surplus, but extra land asset that the district owns. It it doesn't have to do. It, it's not an, an instructional issue. It's not a student services issue. And it's it's really it's none of those things. No, it could be.
4: Can I, can I finish my comments? Um,
6: sure, but I, I want to make sure go that go the that that board point. understands yeah. that this is and and also for constituencies, you're not violating shared governance in any way, shape, or form. The participatory conversations are are really embraced, Mr. Mr. Chair. Chair.
8: Can we
13: stay on the RFQ piece of it, this though? This is
4: related to the RFQ piece because I'm talking about things that I think should happen You're, first before we go out for about, an RFQ.
13: We're talking about things that are way
0: down the road,
13: no, in my no, opinion. No, these things should be
4: happening before we go out for an RFQ. Can I finish my points because I have one more point, and I'd like to be able to speak, and I was interrupted. Can I finish?
0: Okay, we've well, got one more minute.
4: We have time limits now? I think that we it takes, like, a vote Actually, to end discussion. Do. But um, so... It it is an educational issue. You actually mentioned that it increases persistence to have students live on campus. Um, We also... uh so it is actually directly related to education. It could be in the EMP. It wasn't put in the MP, but it could be. It would also perhaps increase enrollment. So it is directly related to the MP, therefore the a- F, you know, the facilities master plan and the campus master plan. Um, and I just think it should be going through the normal shared governance process. And to my last point, related to our bigger vision, um, you know, if we if we did want to go with like a dorm style, perhaps we would want to reinstitute food on campus. So these are it, it, going in already with an idea without taking into account the bigger picture of where we might want to be going um, as an institution is just concerning to me. Um, so I can't support this tonight.
6: I'm going to make it, but uh, I, I want just two two pieces. I didn't say it wasn't educational; it's not instruction. So I'm talking about ten plus one specific, right? You know, to to that, and I also um, don't want you to land. On, on the things that we promised we would not land on. So th- this is simply a snapshot of something. You know what I mean? Nothing's been planned. So if the board so chose to do um, all dorms, 10-story, I'm in. It's whatever you guys decide. Um, so th- it, it doesn't have to do with – you're not planning any of that right now, just simply the RFQ.
4: But Usually you, you told me the RFQ that they would be actually drawing up plans, and I said, and so plans based on what? On their vision? They sh- should be plans oh. based on our vision.
6: You must have misunderstood, not the RFQ. The RFQ is simply seeking people who are qualified and who have a track record of doing this.
4: And the type of facility doesn't weigh in in terms of who might be qualified, what kind of facility it, we might you're want? You're just
0: arguing. You've already no, presented exactly. those That's points. Question. You're, you're actually sure. arguing.
6: Yes.
4: Yes. It does weigh in? Y- yeah. In terms we of what kind not, of
6: facility? I, if, if a bowling alley met, you know, developer submitted, I'm, I would not think that they would be qualified.
4: No, I mean dorm versus apartment. There's
6: that no difference. Be a there's, no, there's no difference. I mean, you're, this is just semantics in terms of a, the width of the hallway. So there is no difference, you know, unless you're doing some other kind of, I don't know what you're thinking about an apartment. Okay, but. so
4: then I just want to make I move that we postpone approving this until we've actually seen the RFQ and it's been reviewed by our attorney.
1: There is an existing motion on the table. I mean, there
0: I, is. We have a first and a
4: second. And so I move to amend the motion that we wait to approve the RFQ until we've actually seen the RFQ and it's been approved by our attorney.
0: Is there a second?
4: All second. I'm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I well, think it I, should I, be discussed.
20: I, I, the one thing I would. We're, we're I would we're on the I amended motion? I'm sorry.
0: We're on the amended motion. Yes. Well, are we discuss- on- yes
20: discussing the amended right.
0: motion. I, that's what I asked: Is there a discussion on the amended motion?
20: I was going to suggest, you know, absent that passing, um, that we could say, okay, yes, we'll approve this, but as to form, you know, after it's been through.
0: Well, we're we're on <laughs> the the amended motion, so <laughs> okay. discussion on <laughs> the amended motion. There is no discussion yeah. on the amended uh,
13: motion. On the I'll amended call the question, yes, yeah, so on the amended motion, I just. You know, again, I want to just reiterate that um, I think that we're discussing things that are way beyond where we are. We're talking about dorms versus these units, and and all, all an RFQ is. I mean, it really does nothing. We can get an RFQ and look at it
20: and put it on a shelf.
13: Put it on the shelf, and I mean, it does nothing. So I think that we're just. That that's you know uh, it it's meaningless.
4: It actually says that there'll be a project description. I'm looking at the table of contents that was given to us. It says there'll be a student housing project description, project schedule, goals, etc. So how can we approve something that we've never seen? All we have is a table of contents. I want to actually see the docu- document. Have it approved by our attorney before it it's, it's put out.
19: I had a question on. You said you had a handout that you would. Had- passed out or that you had for us, and I just wanted to make sure. That the can, that can we stick to the I amended motion, please? I
0: passed
1: please,
0: it out, yes. Let's, uh, let's uh, call the question on the amended motion.
1: Do you want to vote electronically on that?
0: Yes. This is just
1: on the amendment,
13: amended, right? Correct.
1: The amended motion fails with all trustees voting against except trustee Amy Martinson and trustee Jennifer Baker
0: thank you and call the uh, call the vote on the original motion
1: the original motion passes with all trustees voting in favor except trustee Amy Martinson thank
0: you
4: Board can we have this document put online? Um, it's not online for the public.
0: I don't know what document you're speaking of. The
4: PowerPoint that we saw tonight and also the PowerPoint on the bond is not online either.
0: Yeah, I don't see any problem with that, Ron.
6: No, it's fine. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Okay. Item 14.5, Resolution State and Federal Immigration Policy. Move for approval. We have a second. second. Any discussion, comments? Hearing no. none, call the question.
1: Sorry, I need mean just a moment. Okay. I'm sorry. Could you please um, share who made a motion with me? Thank you. I second. The motion passes unanimously. Woo
3: <laughs> Thank you.
0: 14.6, 2017 Napa-Sonoma Small Business Development Center Award from Humboldt State University Sponsored Programs Foundation. Wow. Is there a motion to approve? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Any discussion or questions? Seeing none, call the question.
1: The motion passes unanimously.
0: Thank you. 15, board reports. 15.1, standing committees and other appointed appointment reports. Viticulture and Winery Foundation, Board of Directors, Iverson.
19: Um, Our meeting was moved. So we have, I have nothing to report on that yet.
0: About the date of the next meeting.
19: Uh, I don't have that in front of me. Ron, do you have it by chance? I don't mean I think only. it's
1: may fourth thank you
19: May fourth <laughs> thank 4th. you
0: to legislative affairs committee Iverson
19: uh yes, we did meet. We actually <laughs> did
13: mm-hmm the legislation's going to bring it back to no.
0: mm-hmm. Wow, you guys have done a lot of thinking thank you.
3: It was a good
1: meeting.
0: <laughs> Number three, Audit and Finance Committee, Mancusa.
1: Um, can I ask if oh. you're asking for support for the letter? Or yeah, if,
0: was there a proposal? <laughs>
1: it's not on the agenda.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I don't think a it, recommendation? it needs formal action. It's a no, I don't believe it does.
0: <laughs> What's your recommendation that the entire board Sign on to the veteran ended it. resolution.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: How's everybody? I
4: feel like it doesn't have to be an action item.
3: No, no, I don't just, know. Just
4: Shouldn't that be an action item if we're all agreeing right now to take an action <laughs> to support
3: something? At the committee?
4: Why don't we put it on the next month's agenda?
3: It's, time. it's late then. Mm-hmm.
13: Legislation. Oh, yeah, and, the, and the deadline for that is next Friday mm-hmm. for a new
3: well, I guess we can
4: all individually sign on to whatever we want to sign on to, right?
0: If presented to me, I would sign
3: it. <laughs> oh, <you may. laughs> Support it for the record. <laughs>
20: So is the plan that a letter will be, this is the letter, and we're all inviting to let, sign let it? Let the
0: committee know if you're willing to sign it.
20: You know what? They tend to um, individual, if we, if we all do it individually, that's seven letters they get. Well, Maybe I can suggest
0: yeah. the committee provide us the template, provide everybody the template if that's that works. what you want it's to do.
3: print it off right now. Yep. Okay. No, you're
0: mm. no. No. We were at audit and finance. We did not meet.
8: Can we, we schedule are, a we'll date be meeting
0: after uh, uh,
13: they come in? When?
9: So they're coming in for their preliminary work next week. Um, so we'll
13: probably have an audit committee meeting. The following month, maybe?
9: I I would like to suggest that we have an audit committee meeting the following month. Yeah. That sounds
0: good. Let's do that. (laughs) Okay. meeting to be scheduled.
9: Actually, May would be helpful because we can also talk about the uh, proposed budget as well.
0: Okay. Thank you. Number four, District Auxiliary Services Board of Directors.
2: Our next meeting is scheduled for June. Is that right, Carolee? June 6th.
0: Thank you. Fierce and Distinguished Teacher Award. Jennifer.
20: Eric already stole my thunder. I know, but
0: <laughs> I'm giving you a chance to gain some back. Well, thank you. Thank you for... It, it,
20: was, it was a really uh, great process. I'm glad I was able to participate. and Kelsey also was there.
0: Ad hoc committee reports, real property asset, land use. We did not meet. Huh?
18: I should know something I don't.
0: I don't know anything. Board meeting management committee. We
3: met. Oh, really? Right my Do you have any other
13: So we are just establishing basically who we are and what we're doing. And this is uh, language that we've come up with to uh, address what this committee will be responsible for, uh, what we'll be working on. So we're proposing this. Anybody has any suggestions or thoughts on what might be added to this, or taken away, or whatever? This
3: direction for or from
13: direction from the board, from. right? So, um, so the subcommittee is charged with providing to the board, president, and college superintendent, President Ron information and recommendations for implementing effective practices for Napa Valley College Board of Trustee meetings and direction from the board that may have impact on the district and or its missions. Does that make sense? We bring you recommendations, you give us things that we then have to take and follow up and take direction from the board.
4: I get, I get the first part. I'm just not sure about the second bullet.
20: <laughs> I think that the uh, gosh, if I can get back to four o'clock in my brain, um, at the intent, our intent is to come up with recommendations for clarifying processes for how and streamlining those processes for um, how the board um, functions within the meeting, and then also how we, we communicate and streamline direction from the board to the president and then he out to his staff. Is that, is that mm-hmm.
15: good?
6: What if you just took the second bullet and put it up above in the first sentence? So it would say the subcommittee is charged with taking direction from the board that may have impact on the district and its mission and providing to the board president and college president recommendations for implementing effective practice, something like that.
12: I
20: don't think that's what we meant. Okay, that's not what you meant. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that
13: when we say direction from, and there could be other verbiage there, do you see what we're saying? So... So we're bringing the recommendations. Then at the meeting, the board's going to be giving direction on those recommendations, and then we would be charged with, um, you know, whatever that recommendation is, and and.
11: Yeah, and it's also a and means of,
13: of kind of something then that we bring to the board, the next meeting mm-hmm. for a vote or something mm-hmm. like that.
20: And also just a means of codifying kind of the process. Like, say, for instance, we have a, there's nothing that, that we voted on, but there's consensus that we want more information on something, then then there would be a process laid out for making certain that that came back on a future agenda and went through didn't get lost in translation. Excuse
0: me, it looks like we have a public speaker.
20: <laughs> he just wants more <laughs> cake. <laughs>
3: Does
20: that sound good
7: to everybody? Kelsey? Um, it just seems like this would be not ad hoc, not a temporary, but kind of you want to establish something more long-term to help facilitate the function of this board. I think
13: you could be right. Um, I think that's still up in the air at this point because we're looking temporary at some things and there may be, it may be that it's decided, yes, this needs to be something that gets looked at all the time. But I think right now uh, we're looking more at just kind of current
20: tweaks. And creating a framework Mm -hmm. so that regardless of what, topic or project comes up, there's a framework that it fits into, and so it's flexible.
4: I think this came out of, you have specific things that came out of the conference mm-hmm. that you have in mind, so mm-hmm. in that sense, maybe it's temporary.
0: Thank you. that the last one. Yes. Okay, so we're on to Trustee Board chair
3: reports. Bring alphabetical.
20: <laughs> um, I let's see. Goodness, I went to the. I, I mentioned at the end of the last meeting the community forum that was going on. I think it was re- relatively soon after. Uh, it was uh, the community foundation that did that. It's doing a whole series of, of speakers. Rosara and I went to this one. It was um, a professor from down in Los Angeles, UCLA, who came and did a presentation on kind of how we talk with each other about public policy issues and, and how we can try to move past some of the angst we have in our communities. Uh, the, the reason I bring it up is that the next speaker in that series is going to be on Thursday, May 4th, and that's in Yauntville. And uh, the topic is the role of journalism in the era of social networks, WikiLeaks, disinformation, and fake news. So that I think will be very interesting. Hopefully we can, many of us, go to that And let's see, I went to the campus crawl that the foundation did. Um, I did go to the part-time faculty social. And uh, my son finished up the uh, drama class, the cafeteria kids, so very excited to keep doing that. And he was also part of the bubble program. I have a fantastic picture of him inside a... Gigantic bubble, which if I had a way to show it to you, I would. But <laughs> and I also have a fantastic picture of my other son sitting in my husband's lap, both lap laugh, laughing about it. So great, great fun at the pack. And worse than the McPherson Award Committee met. And then uh, just want to make certain everyone is still aware that we are having the Nap- uh, Napa Valley Unified School District's Family Festival. Week from Saturday, April 29th, uh, it's 11 to 3 on Saturday, the 29th. So come out and, especially if you have uh, kids, elementary kids, bring them. Uh, it's a great opportunity to find out about summer opportunities and get signed up for those early before they fill up.
0: Thank you. Wow. Well, um, so
13: I went to the breakfast, the high school. Breakfast and it was really great. Um, as I mentioned earlier, our MC did a fabulous job. She had so much energy; it was just incredible. Um, but it uh, it's always it's always a good event. One of my favorite events that we do because it's a time I think when the board gets a little bit more in depth uh, knowledge of what's happening on a broader basis. So that's one of the things I would encourage anybody that hasn't been to one of those that it's really uh, helpful for us. Then um, what I have in front of me, we had our uh, regional workforce, no longer investment board, workforce development board meeting, and, um, and our North Bay region voted. So right now it's Lake, um, Marin, and Napa County, and we voted to add Mendocino County. So that's pretty exciting that it's expanding uh, to that extent. It's uh, the biggest uh, board that I've been on in the, I don't know, dozen years that I've been involved in workforce. But one of the things that uh, we were charged with is uh, choosing, and this is where it gets, you know, really close to what we do here. We were choosing our career services provider. Uh, which is the county, and it has been the county. But this is because of the fact that we're this newly formed board under the new law, no longer the Workforce Investment Act, but Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. Uh, we had to form completely, go back out for providers, and so uh, we were able to really kind of talk about what we expect from these services. And one of the things that came up that was so important was uh the partnerships because we always talk about how, you know, the college is doing this, you know, uh the workforce investment people are doing this and somebody else adult ed is doing this. and it was all about this consortium and all about these partnerships and I think that it's we pushed on that really heavily. So I think that uh we're gonna see a real change in how uh how we all work together and making sure because, you know, the, the the career services and the workforce investment boards, workforce development boards, don't do training. So they have to look to training providers. They get the money. So it's so important that we connect and um, that there's always this conversation, this dialogue happening with with uh, both. So that's what I'll say about that. It was really great. and. Um, and I was on the advisory committee to uh to review all of that. Uh went to the immigration forum at the PAC and it was PAC. <laughs> it was great. It was a wonderful event. Mike Thompson, Bill Dodd, Celia are one of our graduates from here who was a DACA student who also got a dreamers uh scholarship. Um and uh, she was one of the speakers on the panel, and she made us proud. Uh, she did a really, really great job, didn't she, Oscar? She's amazing. So she uh, she told a very touching story that made everyone in the audience cry, including herself. And um, it's just very important that we stay vigilant and support uh, all of our students and community. And then uh, last night, we had a forum with our state controller, Betty Yee. And uh, she had a lot to say about how much we need community colleges and how important community colleges are to us and gave us an overview of her priorities. And um, uh, anything, Rosara, Michael, that you might want to add that... Stuck out in your mind about okay, that? I'll
0: get there,
13: too. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, anyway, it's good to know that the person holding the money at the very top of the state <laughs> loves community colleges. Public employees. Or her interest in ensuring their... Yes, return. yes, yes. Public employees and taking care of them and making sure that they're good for
7: life. Uh, okay.
0: That's me. Thank you.
7: Kelsey. Yes, thank you. Um, just, just a few things that I wanted to note, and maybe I should have said this when we were talking about it, but sometimes, you know, just stewing over things is also helpful. Um, I really appreciate what Amy said about collecting data from students. I think absolutely, priority. Let's go out for the um, request for qualifications. Absolutely. Let's find out who around here is even capable of, you know, doing something like this, and what is the demand from our students, like ASAP. Definitely, let's get on this. Um, and 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 as far as the general uh, general obligation bond, yes, so, like we need to pursue it with how, how you know however that looks um, with being conservative and being detailed according to our facilities master plan. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then just a few more notes: um, cafeteria kids is <laughs> really. Awesome! You guys, they're really awesome. It's really exciting to know that they're going to be doing things on our campus. This is just—they're an invaluable um, asset in our community. Not—not not just for our little kids, for our big kids too. Um, so, thank you to all of you board members. We're really every time I come to these meetings and every time I hear the conversations and the discussions that we're having, uh, we're going the right direction. I appreciate how every single one of you is looking at these issues, and I feel so confident about. Our community college being in in your hands right now.
0: So thank you. Thank you, Kelsey. Amy?
4: Um, In terms of activities, I also went to the campus crawl, um, which was a very nice event. Um, And I participated in the legislative subcommittee meeting, and I thought we got a a lot of work done. Um, We were very productive at that meeting, so that was good. Um, I also participated in the high school counselor breakfast. I participated as a high school counselor, but still, it counts, so I was there. Um, and then lastly, today, I um, helped uh, bring the group of Valley Oak students on campus for the campus tour, um, which was the best tour we've ever had. It was amazing. Um, it was a whole-day thing. We, we got here at 9.30, and we left at about 1, um, and we, we went to specific um vocational ed programs, Uh, we visited the nursing program, the criminal justice training center, the welding technology program, machine tool technology, and viticulture and winery technology. But the difference was in the past we just kind of like there's the buildings. This time we actually had a professor from each of those programs talk to the students. Um, And that's really important to actually put people, you know, faces behind these different programs for our students and make it real um so that was great and then we just got lucky um that Earth Day Festival happened to be going on um so that was great for them to actually feel you know the other side of campus life the social side and so that was fun and there was a horse and there was also a possum they liked that um and they fed us which we didn't ask for which is very and the nice possum no you. sorry I, I'm mixing I'm mixing here but they did, they did provide lunch, and then we visited the Earth Day Festival with the horse and the possum. Um, so, yeah, it was just a great day, and I think um, the colleague that accompanied me this, with the students, it was the first time I brought a colleague, and I mean, she, I think the word she used to, on the bus on the way home was her heart was filled because she just felt very inspired and in, um, how much the kids enjoyed the day. So it was great, and we'll be writing a thank you letter. So thanks.
0: Thank you.
19: Kyle. I uh, attended the high school breakfast and the campus crawl. Those are both great events. Oscar, you've done a really good job with that. gets better every year. Um, I also, real quick, just wanted to express my joy at having a, a new coach for our Napa college soccer program, Rogelio Ochoa. He was, he's done some really good things with Napa High School. I've <laughs> have friends that have had kids that have played with him, and he's a really good coach, and I think he's going to help grow our program out here. So I'm excited about that. And that is my trustee report. Thank you.
3: Michael, you still have cake on there.
19: Yes, I still have cake. Thank you.
18: Is this your last meeting, Kelsey? when is the election? Next month. Uh, gosh. All right, now I've got to eat the cake. I <laughs> but uh, other than attending many of the same events that all of us have, I echo uh, Kelsey's comments. Thank you for your comments collectively in these
19: meetings.
0: Thank you, Michael. got a, a couple of things. I certainly intended to attend... All of those things, um, but uh, I've been extremely busy. But thanks to my wife, I actually I got out to an informational session that they had actually at uh, St. Lena High School. Informational session on Napa Valley College that uh, my wife and the counselor there uh, put together. Uh, mostly they were Latino <coughs> Latino students, and Alfredo. Uh, last name. Yes, he was there presenting and my wife always tries to get me to, to come to things because when she has this group of students, most of their parents are English uh, second language or they're all Spanish. And so she likes to get me to help her out. So um, I, I went to this. It was about trying to explain to them their options. Uh, a little bit more background here is that A lot of these students, um, she has taught for a number of years through the AVID program, and so she does a lot of counseling for college. And she's always had a really good rate of people being accepted to four-year colleges and and private colleges and and going on. Something different that they've seen in the last couple of years is that there's less money out there, less aid. So most of these kids, I think there's a group of about 25 or so, uh, that got into UCs, got into the CSUs, and, you know, come to the, kind of the end of the process here, and figuring out that they can't afford to go. Uh, so part of this was to and, – and part of it the pa- parents didn't understand. Some of them would say, well, we'll just get some loans or some grants. And their counselor and my wife were trying to explain to them, you need to understand what these mean. Loans to you that you start paying – on right away and how much it actually costs you and loans that the students have to take and how those get paid back. And, um, so it was a lot of that to get them to understand, see the whole picture, and then understand their other options, uh, like Napa Valley College. And so it was, um, Alfredo was, was great, and he and I, actually in Spanish, we, we were able to um, really kind of tag team with uh, him, obviously, the detail on, <laughs> on the, de- the, the programs that are available here, to me with kind of some bigger questions that, that parents had. Um, and kind of at the end uh, and after it with my wife and uh, the counselor both said was that this was kind of the, the biggest, not the, the biggest, but the most kind of active participation they had from parents. That they've had these meetings before, but again, a lot of it is Um and a lot of them came away actually feeling really good about uh, their options coming to Napa Valley College. <coughs> and it looks like, from my wife and the counselors, uh, you know, talking to the students, that there'll probably be fifteen to twenty students from San Uh well, more like thirty. Well, at, at that night, that was kind of where where it was. That are going to be coming to Napa, um, so that was great. I felt like I I participated. Um, it was great to hear about those students, kind of hear some of their stories and being able to help them understand, um, you know, kind of the situation they're in, but also understand the options that they have, and and uh, that it's a good option, it's a great option. So that the other thing was just that um we received the board we received a, a thank you letter from the foundation for the uh, uh donation the scholarships that uh, we um, made i don't know if was that letter distributed or did you
1: i posted it posted it yeah and
0: so
3: there it is, so
0: uh Thank you to everybody, and, and that's it.
18: Um, I'd like to nominate Rafael Rios, trustee of the month. Thank you <laughs> for his outstanding
20: efforts. A yeah, good outreach. thing we didn't
3: ask for a vote. Yeah.
20: <laughs> if anyone wants to see the cute pictures of my kids, I have them on my computer.
0: Our, our next meeting, Karen Lee, it um, shows you- us four twenty. <laughs>
1: Oh, so sorry. I We might have one more report. With Rosara. Oh my God.
3: Yeah.
0: You're so quiet. No, yeah, ladies 1st I'm and surprised then, she you know, didn't kick yeah. me. It's,
2: it's a good thing because I'm going to be very re- redundant with my report. Um, like Michael said, I attended most of the events that everybody attended to. Um, yes, Mr. Dejaro, very good job on the breakfast. Very well attended and very informative. And, and I did get um all that it's going on and what the college is all about um, i attended um the strategic meeting at the county office of education um and there was a lot of emphasis on on education started from kindergarten and uh, a lot of emphasis on on latino students and talk about pathways and how they how important that is for the future education so It was good to be there. Also, um, I attended in St. Helena uh, a Napa County community planning session. Um, Education came up a lot and workforce, and um, so that that was a very good discussion, of course. You know, uh, traffic and wineries, do we have enough of those puppies? And, um, you know, do we want to keep being, look like the Disney of, you know, Northern California? And what are we going to do about tourists? Um, Yeah. Um, Yesterday, I kind of feel like I played the role that you did uh, uh, here at the college that you did in St. Helena uh, with a Latino parent. Um, and it, it was good because I know a lot of those parents, and so talking to them and with them about their children and, you know, having a lot of the kids very much interested in in the fact that they can get a trade, a vocational, or any other education if if they so choose. And, you know, with uh, what Robin said this morning or earlier in her presentation about, you know, that those, those are very well-paying jobs, so... You know that that's it's really good. And, um, I took a tour of the winery, um, and so yeah, I'm all for helping with the capital uh, fundraising. And that was a very nice crawl. So that's that's all I did.
3: You're ah order.
1: yes, well, but
4: it's important. It's yes. about Kelsey.
1: Yeah, oh. I don't know if
4: everybody saw the newspaper article about Kelsey being named All-California Academic Team. Yeah. Uh-huh. Everybody share it? Okay. Yes. Yeah. For her grades and community service. Yeah. Yes.
3: Wow.
0: Congratulations. That conclude our business?
6: Okay. Maybe we, may we do it in Kelsey's
0: past We will adjourn and... For For students. students. Journey. Kelsey's honor.
6: Nice. Good job. And look at that. It's not even nine o'clock.